does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hey, a very happy Wednesday hanging out with you here on the fan in Indianapolis. Going to be a beautiful weather, uh, beautiful weather today. We are nearing sweatshirt and shorts weather, KB, which is always uh, for sweaty men like me. It's always one of the, the best uh, month uh, month in the entire calendar. Uh, but thank you for joining us here, hanging out with you for the next three hours and broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort and we're busy today julian blackman even though i promoted him for yesterday he will join us today at 7 30 stephen holder espn in the eight o'clock hour tony east in the nine o'clock hour so we are loaded will anthony richardson be out there practicing today the colts get a running back uh and there are two things kb as i'm looking at your beautiful face this morning um that that i was kind of wishy-washy on yesterday that i am no longer wishy-washy on we can dive into that as well well, but a happy morning, a Wednesday. It looks beautiful out. You got your banana next to you, your little little calcium for the morning. We're feeling good today. I do. Potassium yeah. overload right here. There you uh, go. How is Mason doing? Let's not talk about Kevin's banana at 702, <laughs> Well, please. it's a nice is that a, size banana, is, Mark. Is, I'm looking is, forward to eating it. Is that a 9 o'clock uh, thing that we should talk about? Uh, everything is good. Uh, good. Wife is good. Baby boy is good. Going to be leaving the show and heading out there for several hours uh, up to Community North this afternoon afternoon. Uh, busy day yesterday for me, but the audience does not care about that. All they care about is Trey Sermon and Anthony <laughs> Richardson. So we'll dive into that as we go over the next three hours. Yeah, today is an important day. I think tomorrow, if you want to boil it down to one of the most important days of the week as Anthony Richard- Richardson tries to progress through the five-step concussion protocol, that would be tomorrow. You know, we, we saw last week Drew Ogletree with his own concussion, uh, missed Wednesday, but still cleared it in time for Sunday. So tomorrow is probably the big, big one, but still, today's an important day. If he's out practicing today, that's a very good sign that he should be able to progress through concussion protocol by the end of the week. So um, we'll certainly uh, keep you updated on that end. Like you mentioned, the Colts did sign a running back to the practice squad and Trey Sermon. He's got a resume. He's got Big Ten history. The Colts saw him in Philadelphia earlier back in a training camp in the preseason. Um, you know, is that insurance for Zach Moss? You got two more weeks without Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I think that is something to keep an eye on. When Stephen Holder joins us at eight, by the way, there is an aspect to Jonathan Taylor that I don't think we've talked about too, too much. That okay. I think it's these two parties walking and meeting each other somewhat in the middle. Well, Joel A. Erickson kind of mentioned it yesterday in passing. He's like, yeah, maybe it's trending towards him playing for the Colts. And uh, I meant to go back and get that sound, but here we are. I did not yeah, get it. I, I don't know if I'm like there yet, to be totally <laughs> yeah, honest with you. I'm not you. quite there either. Uh, and again, two weeks from today, that will be the first day that Taylor's eligible to practice. But, you know, when you talk about calming the waters, I think in general, we can agree both sides have screwed this up. Both sides have mishandled this situation. Okay, can each side give a little? And I do think there is an area that each side can give. Honestly, 
several NFL teams around the league have already shown the Colts a bit of a blueprint with this. And so I'm curious, is that something that is on the table? Steven's been all over this story, so I do want to get mm-hmm. his thoughts on that at 8. And as you said, Julian Blackman coming up at 7.30. When you talk about playing Lamar Jackson, the challenge of this Baltimore offense, how dynamic Jackson can be through two games, albeit it's two games, Andy, he is having the best start to his career throwing the football. Well, they have an offensive coordinator now. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. They did make a switch from an yeah. offensive coordinator standpoint. Todd Munkin, who is the Georgia offensive coordinator, uh, college-wise, uh, is now the new OC for Baltimore. You know, Blackman's a really key guy in all of this. You would assume Blackman's going to play close to the line of scrimmage as that strong safety. Um, so eager to chat with him. And then, like you said, Tony East at 9. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't Pacers talked to him. Have, I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's, all, Tony, it's almost time. Tony's a great, great knowledge, has unbelievable knowledge base about the Pacers. Uh, I've told him before, he knows more about the Mad Ants than I know about my in-laws. Um, it's a credit to Tony. Um, <laughs> is it? We, is it a credit to Tony knows that much about the Mad maybe Ants? Maybe it's a discredit to me now that I, <laughs> I, was about to now say, that I said yeah. that out loud. Who are we giving credit to? A uh, week and a half. Pacers Media Day, a week and a half. Their first preseason game is like, Three weeks away. So it's kind of crazy how it's uh, uh, getting here. And I think this is one of the more anticipated Pacer seasons in quite a while. And so uh, looking forward to chatting with Tony coming up well, here. I need to get out there. I want to get out to media day. And does uh, does Jake still have his courtside seats? Jake is, has, uh, well, I, do, we, do we know this season? Or what kind of season ticket package does he have? I assume as long as he's behaving from a relationship standpoint with a significant <laughs> other, then yeah. That sounds good. By the Mark, way, Mark, you have sat in those seats, correct? Yes, they are very nice. They good, I, I, they I don't good think seats. I've ever gotten the invite. Well, you haven't. I thought you did. No, I cannot say I've oh. ever sat. In. I, I boy, you know, I thought it's to myself, Oof. in a way, just fifteen hours sitting next I, to him. I got to week. see how big Joel Embiid is in person. He is a massive human being. I stood next to Joel Embiid when he injured his back in Kansas, and he was crying after they lost in the NCAA tournament. I remember thinking, why is he crying? He's going to be the number one pick, or he's going to be a max-level player. By the way, have you ever had a concussion? We're talking about Anthony Richardson. I got thinking about it. Have either of you ever had one? No, and you know what? Uh, Interestingly enough, Julian Blackman has never had one. Someone asked him earlier in the week. I was like, you know what? This would be a decent question to throw to him. That's a good point. Um, But he, he was like, yeah, I... Can't give you really anything from a, you know, this is my experience with it. Uh, Have you? I I think I had one. I got, because I was going to ask you guys, I think, I I didn't go and get diagnosed, you know, I didn't go. You didn't go through the five steps? No, I didn't go through any of the five steps, but I did not feel right at all. Uh, It was a few years ago. I got up on our bed. Now, settle down, Mark. I know we were talking about a banana four minutes ago, and there's Mm -hmm, weird things mm -hmm. happening here in our first segment here on the fan, but I get up on the bed, and and our dog. Our dogs I'm up there nervous. because our, our dogs sleep in bed. Okay, that's what they do. They don't sleep on the floor. That they, that's where they sleep. Okay, so you guys can judge me. Some people will think that's appalling. Other people will will be understanding. They will understand. They Someone will call it kinky. They, they, they will they will live yeah. they will live like the swingies. So anyway, the dogs on the bed and and she moves her head and I move my head and we we call we collide. Oh wow, we collide and and I'm telling you, I was dazed. How's the dog? I was. Uh, she's fine. I okay. was dazed. In confused. <laughs> in confused. Oh, sorry. Oh man. So go, there you go. Go back to your crate. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I got one in soccer in high school. I went to go head a ball. It, was a, it, went, it got kicked really high. I went to go head it, and it, I did one of those things where I actually saw stars after oh, I, yeah. I connected with my head. I'm like, that felt weird. What but it was you, like 2002, it, but, so I didn't really think yeah, anything of Yeah, but you couldn't complain. You just put some dirt on it, and it's soccer, so you didn't want to complain about yeah, it. Yeah, I was know? like, Come I on. think I'm okay. Well, I thought it was interesting. We had Will Carroll on yesterday. How he talked about the old baseline days are done. Oh, yeah. And you know, guys, you know, you know, kind of would fudge or would sandbag the 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 baseline test you would do in training camp. So then, when you had a concussion in season, you know, oh, as long as you passed whatever sandbagging that you did back in training camp, you were good to go. So again, it's a five step process. We can explain that a little bit later. The Colts get back to practice today. Um, we will see where not only Anthony Richardson is at, but also Ryan Kelly. And, yeah. and I think I point out Ryan Kelly for a couple of reasons, Andy. One, he suffered a very serious head injury back in the 2017 season. He missed over a month of time, actually went on injured reserve in that season. And then twofold, obviously Kelly the person, you have to acknowledge there. But team-wise, the Colts will be on their third string center if Ryan Kelly can't go. Danny Pinter was lost for the season back in the preseason. And I think when you look at Sunday, while Baltimore has some notable injuries, and we'll see where they are at health-wise coming into Sunday at 1 o'clock, this is probably at the top of the exotic disguise, um, stout defense, however you want to label it. This is a really good challenge and it's on the road. You would think this falls into one of the more hostile environments you'll ever going you, you are going to see this season as well. So if you are all of a sudden running out a third string center getting his first NFL start, you know Houston didn't have a full week to prepare for trying to attack a third string center. Baltimore could have that. So obviously the Anthony Richardson one gets the main headlines, but the Ryan Kelly one for his own safety considering he's 30 years old and, and you know he's the guy's been through a ton and then obviously the team effect with Wesley French potentially starting uh, I do think that's a notable storyline as well I think what's frustrating for me this week and listen I understand it it's nobody's fault Anthony Richardson got injured and everything else and we understand now the process of coming back from a concussion but I am a believer in that game against Houston that Anthony Richardson accounts for what would you guys say four touchdowns, five touchdowns, something like that. And if he accounted for four or five touchdowns, you already mentioned the better play, the cleaner play, the better passing from Lamar Jackson, that that would be much more of a storyline just in the NFL. Sure. Just in the NFL. If Anthony Richardson went out and he ran for three touchdowns and he threw for a touchdown or two and, you know, he's going off the field and he's, you know, not, not the story. You know, there are still other stories in the NFL. You had the Nick Chubb injury. Which, by the way, Josina Anderson reporting he may need two surgeries. A surgery within the next week and then a surgery weeks down the road to fix what happened to his knee on Monday night. Um, But, you know, I mean, obviously the Cowboys would be, you know, still the Jets are being talked about and everything else. But you'd have a situation where I think there'd be a lot of hype for this game. Like, low-key, I think there would be a lot of hype. And we're just not going to get that because... No, we're getting Beth Moens, Jay Feely, and James Lofton You know, I I didn't want to say that, but I did look that up. I I like Beth Moens, Jay Feely, and James Lofton. I mean... (laughs) What are we doing here? Are we back? Is that because he's a kicker? Is this back on CBS or is it still Fox? Uh, it's, it's CBS. Finally CBS. No, mm-hmm. we're back on CBS. Yeah. First CBS okay? game of the year. Are you not a, what, you just, you're dedicated to CBS because what? of decades of watching your Colts on CBS say, or I what? I was just kind of confused having to go Fox action here early uh, They in the switched season. that up a couple years ago, did they not? 
They did. Yeah. To your point, though, we went through the week three schedule yesterday. There's not a lot of marquee, you know, both opponent matchups. This would be a bigger matchup out. This if Anthony Richardson had four or five touchdowns on Sunday. Yeah, this would certainly be that. So, obviously, we'll keep an eye on the Richardson situation along with Ryan Kelly. We did see the Big Ten schedule for basketball announced yesterday the Saturday dates that we got used to for Indiana and Purdue from last season. We'll get one of those this year. That will be in West Lafayette coming up in February. The matchup in Bloomington is going to be a Tuesday night this season. I have no doubt the students will certainly still treat that as a weekend night. But I kind of like the two Saturday games. Oh, I know no, Purdue fans didn't like last it year. last year. But I like both the Saturday contest that we got spread out a couple of weeks with that matchup this year it'll be about a month in between the two games again in bloomington on tuesday the 16th of january then in west lafayette on the 10th of february so we'll mention that and uh, julian blackman colt safety joins us here at 7 30 as andy said it's supposed to be another nice day here in indy sounds like a little bit of summer temps to close out the week thanks for tuning in it is the wake-up call of kb and andy Right here on 93.5-1075. The, f- the Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Morning Checkdown. I don't want to talk about it. I was about to say, I mean, the only thing. Oh, boy. A high fly to right. <laughs> retreating Where are these Benson. when the Cubs the have lost crack five at the in a row? It's gone. A home run. It's an immense amount of bias with what Mark Dykton here. <laughs> None of these clips played when the Cubs were wilting. They win one game, and now, again, well, it's going to be a go? parade on Waveland here well, today. Well, that was, that was the Reds-Twins game. What are you talking about? Oh, well, the, the uh, It was an awful night last night for the Reds. Not only do they get absolutely dominated by the Twins, everybody else around them in the wild everybody. card picture won. So you have the Diamondbacks in second, the Cubs in third, the Marlins just a half game back, and now the Reds are a game back with 10 to go here in the Major League Baseball season. It is a day game today for the Reds. Who hit the grand slam? They need to get back on track. Luckily for the Cubs and the Reds last night, if you are a Reds fan, it only counts as one. Oh, Canario for the uh, the Cubs when they put up eight runs in like the seventh inning. By the way, JMV took a run at, at all of us. Well, not UKB. I shouldn't yeah. say all of us. Me and Mark specifically. I thought the Votto comment was idiotic Well, no, at 445. No, I just agreed. But, I listen, I, I want to go back to what I said, and then we'll move on. Julian Blackman going to join us coming up in about nine minutes. You and JMV are the only guys that I know in my in my life that at some point didn't. Of course, I didn't know you three years ago. I didn't know you three months ago. Uh, whine and complain about the contract of Joey Votto, and that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That there was about a six seven year period where his contract was ruining everything, and it wasn't even his contract. You were lashing out at. You had to lash out at somebody, and that's who it was. But yeah, JMV took a run at you, Mark. Big mouth Cub fans. What? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Could not agree with JMV more. All right, Colts, their first practice of the week fan? is Are coming you up abandon later today. Uh, we'll get a closer look at where Anthony Richardson, <laughs> where Ryan Kelly are at within their respective concussion protocols. Again, Baltimore dealing with a couple of injuries. Uh, Thursday night football this week. It will be Little Gas and Andy. Yes, it will. Checking out the Giants. Uh, yeah. Ten and a half, yeah. is that what I saw? Yeah, and the, the Giants, are, do- point the Giants are doing the this thing. We haven't ruled out Barkley. It's like, yeah, 
Adam Schefter reported he was out three weeks. So who am I going to trust? The NFL PR machine of of a team that doesn't tell the media the truth anyway? Or Adam Schefter? Who knows? I'm trusting Adam Schefter. I mean, I saw his knee bend the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't as bad as Nick Chubb. It's but a still. short week in September. <laughs> you don't push it whatsoever. Again, a 10-point underdog, Giants at 49ers. Quickly, college football coming up for this weekend. I love the black jerseys Indiana will be wearing against Akron. Again, they might have needed camo to get that fourth down against Louisville back on Saturday. Purdue's got the Friday nighter. So we saw Indiana have the Friday nighter a couple weeks back. It's Purdue and Wisconsin. Another home game for the Boilers. We'll see if they can finally win one at home. And then Notre Dame and Ohio State coming up Saturday night. Mark, uh, you said that my man crush is joining us tomorrow, Pete Sampson. He is, yeah. Have I ever told you I love him? Multiple times, yeah. Sometimes, like, when it hasn't even been Pete Sampson's name been brought up, you're like, you know I love Pete Sampson, right? <laughs> and he's like, prime, like Pete Sampson gets the prime time slot, wait. too. He I gets seven. He gets 7.30. Well, we don't have a lot of people that are willing to go at 7.30. Oh, Pete I, Sampson is one of them. He must be up and ready to go. Him and Joe Wright are the only one. They're both up at 4 a.m. watching film. And our next guest, Julian Blackman. That would be Colt Safety. He's getting ready to get his week started. Again, practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then quite the challenge coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. It is fourth year safety, fresh off a 10-tackle performance Mm. in the win over Houston. Julian Blackman joins us next. Wake up call. KB and Andy. Colt Safety. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Julian Blackman going to join us here in just a second. He'll be hanging out with us. Cannot wait for that reminder. 9 a.m. on Sunday, Colts and Ravens. JMV will start things off, getting you ready for week three of the NFL season. While we wait on Julian, uh, did you happen to see, and I saw that the NFL Network, their morning show here, was talking about it, did, and we could ask him about it. Did you see Granson celebrating his touchdown uh, last night, uh, holding his football uh, like he like it was a baby? Like it was ta- Simba. Yeah, and taking baby photos uh-huh. with the football as he got his first NFL touchdown on Sunday? Yeah, you know, Granson, first off, I was shocked that was his first NFL touchdown. Me too. Uh, Secondly, um, he talked about, you know, the inability to really celebrate it. He was the only one that thought he scored because they had to review it. It didn't look like it yeah, to the know, naked he, eye. He did the stretch over the right. you know, over the goal line and everything with that. So, yeah, Kylan Granson, I think, uh, falls in line of one of the more entertaining follows if you uh, want to out there on <laughs> social media. Um, well, I, that's I, how you get clicks, man. That's, oh, how get, that's how you get people knowing your name. He had a little flower behind his right ear. He uh, he had it swa- swaddled yeah. in a, like, I, like we're going to be swaddling our 
say, newborn. It looked like you and Little Gas for some newborn pictures That's coming up exactly here. That's exactly right. So yeah, there you that go. Was great. At least it wasn't. Uh, at least because we didn't know if it was a touchdown, he did, but you know, seemingly nobody else did. Uh, no one threw it in the crowd. What was it? Hayden Hurst threw Bryce Young's first touchdown pass into the crowd on Week One. <laughs> yeah, I'm always curious about like. You know, equipment, you know, people like knowing that stuff and like, you know, being Johnny on the spot. Wow. You know, Will Mallory, for example, he made his first NFL catch on yeah. Sunday. You know, where do you draw the line of like an officiating crew of like, all right, we're not just okay. taking yeah. every ball yeah. out of play yeah. here. It's a six yard out route. Right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it is one of those things. But <laughs> well, uh, I mean, also, do they fake it? Do the uh, do the equipment guys fake it? Like, ah, oh, they lose a football and they just get another one. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, how would how would Granson ever know? The Duke is the Duke, man. Just here's your ball and <laughs> sign it and move on. From would, there. How would you ever know? Like, literally. How, how would you ever know? Uh, all right. Is he ready? All right. Julian Blackman joins us here on The Fan on this Wednesday, getting you ready for the Colts and the Ravens. Julian, good morning. How are you? Good, sir. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us this early, and uh, and we appreciate a big game on Sunday. Of course, you got the win last week. Before we dive into all of that stuff, uh, did you see Granson uh, and what he did with his football uh, on his first touchdown? Have you seen that on social media in the last 24 hours? I have seen it. I have seen it. I'm happy for him, but it's, it's kind of funny how he... Uh, Decided to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, as a father, like yeah. like like Julian is, I'm sure he's like, wait a minute, I've seen those pictures before, uh, just a few months after birth, and not for a football. <laughs> Julian, I, I, before we get maybe into Baltimore, or, you know, certainly the performance you had last Sunday. I don't think fans may have a great grasp of just what a daily schedule is like when you guys get into the season. I mean, yeah, you guys go out there and you certainly have a you know ninety minute, two hour practice. But as best you can, you mind kind of mapping out for us what uh, what a Wednesday looks like for you? Yeah, man, no problem. Uh, I'm usually up by six in the morning. Um, you know, I gotta get ready to get everything together so that I can get to the facility. Um, about 6.30, I get to the facility, and then I'm just working on my body in the morning, man, and making sure that uh, everything that might feel a little sore can get fixed or uh, can get worked on so that I'm ready for the lift. And then we lift around uh, about 8, so we have a, we have team lift at 8, and then uh, after that we got we go right into special teams, 8.55, and then we got our team meetings, OD meetings, walk-through, lunch and then about 150 we got practice and then after practice we got a little bit of time to you know get a little bit of rehab in if you have anything sore you you go through that and then after that uh you got meetings again so you got special teams 415 and then you got od meetings right after that 15 minutes later and then after that uh you got dinner at five and so your day is pretty much done around seven because i like to stay around and uh get my body worked on again after after uh od meetings and then uh, yeah it's just kind of get home watch film see what you can do to catch a beat on the other team and then by that time it's probably like nine and i'm getting ready to go to bed again and then just repeat you've uh, made a position switch this year playing some strong safety you're very versatile at utah you've been versatile even in your early years here in the nfl what has that change been like for you what have you liked about playing uh, strong safety um honestly it's just uh, more communication for me there's a lot more for me to do when I'm at strong safety and uh, you know, I get to be in the run game, I get to be in the pass game. I got to be very communicative and, uh, you know, me and my personality already as a person is very, you know, communicative. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really fun and I enjoy it a lot. So it just puts me in the position to make plays. 
Julian Blackman joining us here on The Fan on this Wednesday. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, you're talking about your schedule. I'm sure it's a lot easier uh, to go about that busy schedule this week coming off a win. What was that locker room like after the win in Houston? And how does that carry over to this week as you get ready to ball, uh, for Baltimore? It's a great start, man, um, you know, because you know just as well as I do that it's hard to win in this league. So being able to win early is something that we can carry over to this week. But, you know, we got a new challenge and we're ready for that. And I think that it just helps with the momentum and, you know, it makes you want to win more. Julian Blackman is with us again, fourth year in the NFL, coming off a 10-tackle effort against Houston. Julian, I asked you this earlier in the week, but for this audience that maybe didn't hear your answer, um, you faced Lamar Jackson a couple years ago. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy game in in prime time. Uh, What do you remember about that matchup, and I guess what is unique about facing Baltimore and certainly one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, it was a very physical game, man. Um, it was one of those games where uh, we played very well. We were on the details, and then you know, like anything, the last two plays or two two plays can change the whole the whole swing of things. So, um, what I remember is just a dual threat quarterback and a lot of um, you know they try to do a lot of things to get you mismatched with their guys that they like to go to. So we just got to be on the details and understand what they're trying to do during the game so that we can make adjustments while it's going. Do you see any like comparisons from what you guys faced within training camp? I know Anthony wasn't maybe the everyday starter, but you certainly had a stretch there where Anthony was mm-hmm. running that starting unit. Is that a lazy comparison by me, or, or do you see similarities no. in that? Not at all, man. Um, you know, I think Anthony's very talented, uh, and you know, I think that people have been able to see what he can do, and, and it's only been two weeks, and so um, it's nice that we have a duel with our quarterback on our team because, like you said, it's similar so you know we get to prepare for another guy to come in uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, we're, we're excited for that challenge what's the biggest challenge the Ravens possess that's not Lamar Jackson is it uh, trying to, to to tackle that elephant Mark Andrews what what else would it be if it's a non Lamar Jackson's question I guess um, I think it's physicality um, the old line they've got a good old line and so we got to be prepared to for for 90 minutes to just bring everything that we got and uh, do everything that we can to be just as physical and, and show these guys that you know we're, we're not going to play around with so Julian, we had um, Zaire Franklin on last week with us, and I, I don't know. I find myself, you know, offensively, it's like, oh, okay, how many catches did a receiver have? How many you know yards did a running back have? You know, you kind of point to some of that and be like, oh, that guy had a good game or not. You obviously had ten tackles on Sunday. I think it was second most on the team. When we're evaluating, like, okay, did Julian Blackman play well or not? How do you individually evaluate yourself? Because obviously, there's a ton that you do that, that we just don't know about what your responsibility was on a given play or not. So what tells you if you had a good game or not? Um, I think it's if I'm on the details and when I'm in the right place at the right time, if I'm not just, you know, lugging into plays, but I know what's going on and I'm making plays because I'm in the right spot. So uh, I thought that I played very well. Um, And uh, I'm just excited to continue to uh, do everything that I can to continue that. Um, It can't just be a one-game effort. It's got to be consistency. Uh, so those are things that I look for, man. I just watch the film and see if I'm doing the right things. Is my technique correct? Am I in the right gap? Am I guarding the guy the correct way? How are my feet looking? Um, so all those things I, I take into account to make sure that um, I can do something better next week. I guess you kind of said it there, but do you know within the game if you're on top of that or is that something you got to see, you know, playing right home or certainly Monday reviewing the film? 
uh, you can feel it um, as the game starts because, you know, you always have adrenaline going. Um, and, you know, the things that go through my mind is, okay, uh, first thing is my feet, how my feet look and make sure that I pop, pop and do it, everything that I do in practice because at the end of the day, practice how you play. And uh, so you can feel it in the beginning of the game and then you just gradually get going. And as you start making tackles, you start to feel better and better. And, uh, and uh, then the coaches also will bring you to your attention. You know, they have an iPad on the field, so they'll bring it and show you um, – plays that you can do better and you just try to remind yourself of those things. Julian Blackman joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, defensive backs, I mean, you look at the young corners that you guys have. How have you seen them grow uh, in the preseason and in the first couple weeks of this season? And obviously Sunday uh, with uh, the weapons there in Baltimore is going to be quite the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I think that uh, they were just thrown into the fire and uh, I think these guys are ready. I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to um, being in on the field it's completely different you know when you're when you're a starter and uh you're, you're you know relied on and so i think that at this point uh you know we we like our guys and we want to compete with these guys you know there's there's no other team that i would want to play with and uh i trust these guys so i think that they just gotta trust themselves and next play kind of kind of mentality Last one for me, Julian. Appreciate this time on as you laid out a pretty busy Wednesday for you upcoming. Um, for me, my brain is always racing. I mean, I just got a hamster wheel. It's always I'm thinking about everything negatively, positively, you name it. That's where my brain is probably going there. Um, for yourself, you're in year four in the NFL. People know year four in the NFL. If you're not a first round pick, it's a contract year. Uh, do you think about that? And, and and if so, how often? And if not, I guess how do you go about blocking it out, knowing that you know a second contract could be on the horizon? Yeah, man. Um, of course, you have it. It's, it's something that obviously um, comes across your mind just because, you know, this is year four. And, you know, by this time, you want to be one of the guys that can be relied on. And, um, you know, for me, I just kind of try to stay in the present moment. And that's how I block it out is, uh, just, you know, being here right now. Just because right now my contract isn't being negotiated right now. Those are things that aren't um, – shouldn't be on my mind so uh, right now I just got to focus on what I can do to help this team win and that's that's what matters to me all right, I got to ask you as we get you uh, as we get you out of here. You went to Utah. Uh, you know what's coming up Saturday, November twenty fifth. It's Colorado and Utah. How much you've been following Prime? How much have you been following <laughs> Deion Sanders taking oh, over man. college football, Julian? Come on, I know you have. He's awesome. No, he's awesome. He's an awesome <laughs> coach. Uh, but you know, I got to roll with my root. Yeah, I got to roll I know. with my youth, man. My youth got him. But uh, I agree. Yeah, it's been it's awesome to see what he's done um, just for college football in general. And, you know, traditions he's brought and uh, just the hype he's brought as a head coach. You know, you want to play for a guy like that. So it's exciting to see him doing what he's doing. How about the Pac-12 this year? Utah ranked 11. They've got like six or seven schools in the top 20, 25. I know the conference is, you know, about to disintegrate, but a hell of a season for the Pac-12 so far. And uh, Julian Blackman's Utes off to a 3-0 and start, ranked number 11. All right, Julian, thank you so much for the Appreciate time this it, morning. Certainly good oh, luck on go. Sunday. Uh, stay healthy this season and uh, look forward to more conversations. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. That's Julian Blackman, Colts safety right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Andy, he missed probably the first uh, week, maybe two weeks of training camp. And boy, I don't know if there was a louder human being on the practice field day in and day out than him. He is right in that, you know, him in more of a communicative role, I think certainly makes sense. 
Um, it's a big year for him. You know, injuries have unfortunately been a storyline. He tore his ACL in the Pac-12 title game, entering the NFL. He really didn't miss many, if any, if much time, his rookie year. He has suffered that crazy torn Achilles in practice, his second season, uh, but has been healthy around that. So, um, obviously, hope for that because I do think he is one of the more important pieces that we don't talk enough about with this team. Uh, you mentioned your mind racing. I'm one of those two. If you were on a second contract, where would Kevin Bowen's mind go if you were Julian Blackman? Because that's what you ask him. I mean, he's playing for a second contract. How do you not think about I, it? I mean, that's you all know? you would think of. You know, <laughs> especially in Andy, like, how oftentimes do you hear from NFL guys, second contract, second contract? You know, it's oh, all you about make your getting, money. Yeah. I don't have the Julian Blackman contract in front of me, but I would guess it's kind of hovered right around a million annually, maybe a, a hair more than that. Um, you know, he's a third round pick. And so the ability to sign something in the whatever, three year, $15 million range, that obviously is, you know, life changing money to say the least. So, um, how do you not? I, I, I <laughs> That's what maybe, I'm saying. Yeah, maybe when do, you get to that level, not? Andy, there's an element of like mentally, they're just different than all of us, but I think the human element is still a factor at hand. And again, he was in that draft with Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, and obviously Blackman then went in that third round. A lot of people thought maybe a redshirt year in his rookie season, but he played coming off that torn ACL and uh, played some free safeties, played some corner in a pinch as well, and then now a strong safety for this team. And certainly I think he will be important on Sunday. Uh, when he's closer to the line of scrimmage, there's so much kind of eye discipline. You've got to be on your um, – and P's and Q's when you're facing a Lamar Jackson offense because Baltimore can be pretty multiple with how they run things. Yeah, what uh, Zay Flowers, uh, Zay Flowers, not Zay Jones. Yeah, Zay Flowers, their new wide receiver, really first good. First round pick, right? Yeah, first round pick, really good. They've added some things there. You know, that's always been that's always been the gripe that Lamar Jackson had to do kind of everything himself, whether that was true or untrue. And in the last couple years, they have added pieces to that offense, and you see Mark Andrews come back in Week 2 and immediately score a touchdown. <laughs> like, immediately. He's back in Week 2, and, and, and you know, he's scoring a touchdown uh, in, immediately. So, that's good stuff from Julian. There Is, we go. So, Odell Beckham, he get banged up yeah, last he, week? Yeah, he's been injured. By the way, that's not even the biggest Odell Beckham story. I mean, you guys, I know this isn't the, the thing you guys see. Did I see Kardashian? Uh, I, yeah, you saw it. You saw it. Now that's Kim Kardashian. He's uh, they're hanging out, and I can't think of a story that's more seven years old than that one. <laughs> Can you define hanging out for me? Well, when you when you're those I, types of people, what does that mean? Hanging out sounds like a little different hangout than me, like with my buddies and when I was <laughs> nine or ten. Yeah, but also what was celebrity? Yeah, celebrities. How do they? How do they date? It can't be the same as the rest of us. And of course, you're looking at three married men in this studio who have. We need a single guy. It's probably to come an accurate in here. statement. Who are the single guys at the fan? The producers. I mean, not Mark. Obviously, is Eddie G? Is he? Is no, he single? Is James I, I, no. single? Or is I, I, everyone I, taken? I, I don't know the James relationship status. I know. I mean, <laughs> you know, Jake is not married, but certainly is in you know a, yes. a, a long relationship. And I pray for Shannon every night, thinking about what she has to put up with. But I would say, for the most part, you know, I don't oh. know many eligible bachelors here in the building. How about now, that? speaking of eligible bachelors, oh boy, I do know of one. Okay, and I was thinking about this. All right, tomorrow night is what. 
Well, it's uh, Thursday night. It's uh, Giants Niners. The Niners go to three and zero, and the Giants go to one and two. Is it safe to say your Giants need a boost tomorrow night? Oh boy, here we go. I like where you're going. They need, yeah, they need a boost. They have Matt ten point Bo- underdog. They have Matt Breida as their starting running back tomorrow. Ten point underdog. Saquon's <laughs> out. It's arguably the best team in the NFC that they are oh, facing. Yeah, yeah, it's a stiff challenge. All right, so I've got this for you. Okay, okay. What is this? All oh right. my goodness, look at this. So I thought. Oh my goodness. I thought a little Giants gear. Oh my goodness, that's so nice. Thank you. Little gas. Look at that. Look at this. I'll hold this up for the camera. Look at that. So we've got a little Giants onesie. I like that. Thank you. Little gas. Oh, it's so nice. More By the way, a couple oh my of those goodness. that I well, think you so and nice. Thank you. Will need. So I feel gifts. like little gas could fit in that all football season. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yes. Right now he can. There's no doubt about it. Where did little gas come from? Well, I, I know you guys talked about it last week, but I wasn't here. You know, How did that you happen? You reference yourself as a gas bag. If I'm not mistaken, and obviously, I, I think that's a great description. Yeah, and so I feel like if you had a boy, I know Nikki might not necessarily approve of that. <laughs> oh no, she loves that stuff. And yeah. I just feel like babies and little gas, it just kind of goes together. Yeah, well, Sometimes thank you. they're that's like, "Wait, very where nice. did that smell come from?" <laughs> That size of a human could produce yeah, that he's, in the diapers? He's filling diapers. You don't have that, to worry about that. That that nickname is multi-purpose. Yes, it is. <laughs> it it's is. like Baltimore's offense or the Colts' offense with Anthony Richardson. So I figured tomorrow night well, thank you. the Giants need a spark. Oh, goodness. Let's get a little gas onesie. <laughs> I love it. Love it. You know what's funny in, in this? I, I hope no one's bought you a little <laughs> gas onesie so far. If uh, if I get three, well, I, tell you, I tell you, Amazon is showing up at the house daily. This Amazon guy is going to be like, like, who are these people? We're coming to Irvington <laughs> yeah, a whole lot yeah, lately. The, yeah, the, the former owners didn't order this. Who are the? Who are these people? Uh, by the way, I gotta get. Does anyone need cardboard? Reach out to me if you need cardboard. You got a lot of boxes uh, because I have so many boxes. I'm gonna recycle them. But if someone's getting ready to move, let me know and we'll hook up. Not the Odell Beckham Kim Kardashian oh style. We'll hook up and I'll give you some cardboard. Well, thank you. You know what's funny? They were down um, twenty. They were down three touchdowns. And we took a little bit of a break in the afternoon, and we go back there at night. I swear, we walk in that hospital, and the Giants score three touchdowns unanswered. How about that? How about that? I've told you the story before. Max Bowen's first two sporting (laughs) events on this earth were Notre Dame Marshall and Colts Texans season opener last year. There was a moment. And I don't know if Maddie, you know, Maddie usually turns on the show on her way to drop the kids off. So what time is that? I need at, to know that. At, at daycare. You know, hovers right around 8 o'clock. Okay. So okay. I don't know if she's in the car just yet. There was a moment where I thought, Maddie, can we put Max back in the womb? <laughs> well, I, had this- I don't want his first sporting exposure to be what he just witnessed. Notre Dame Marshall and Colts Texans. And unfortunately unfor- for you, Little Gas didn't have to see 40 to nothing, right? Cowboys game? Uh, no, 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 he didn't have to, so he didn't he, have to see. He's got he Cardinals have, comeback, so. Yeah, there you go. Well, I've, I've you know, I've. But th- I'm nervous about tomorrow night, so hopefully that will thank bring him you, luck. Thank you, thank you. People that, you know, in the area, uh, you know, here and in my, my last stop that knew, you know, that, that we were moving, that we were moving here. He does have a nice amount of Colts gear. So are yeah, the Colts little, his AFC team? Well, I mean, Little Gas has Colts gear. And so you know, my wife was <laughs> like, Little Gas is catching yeah, on, people. I, I was like, well, what's going on here? And I go, well, you know, I'm not going to, as long as he's not a Cowboys or an Eagles fan. 
Yeah, that's where you, you, yeah, you know what change I'm saying? the last name. As long as and, yeah. he's not a Cowboys you might want to put him in one of those fan. Amazon boxes and ship him away after that. <laughs> yeah, like that ain't going to happen. I, there may be things that happen, but that is not one of them. I, uh, not one of them. Is that banned from the house situation? Yeah, that, comes back, th- that's... If you're saying fly, Eagles, fly. No, it, it's one of these. Not under this roof. Yeah. No. That's Amen. what it is. Yeah, yeah you, you, you not won't be sad. You just be very disappointed. I'll be sad. I'll be sad and disappointed. I'll be both of them. Uh, we brought this up earlier. It's a question I want to throw to Stephen Holder when he joins us in 10. Calming of the waters. Yes. Jim Mercer said that quote to Chris Ballard, or indirectly, I guess, said it to Chris Ballard You know, about a month ago. Um, how do both of these sides come to a compromise with... Jonathan Taylor's situation and I've had several people reach out and I think you know we even talked about this I guess it would have been yesterday morning doesn't the Nick Chubb situation continue to lose leverage for Jonathan Taylor my question with Taylor and we saw this with Saquon Barkley we saw this with Josh Jacobs correct me if I'm wrong I think we saw it with Chris Jones a lot we did why not? And by all accounts, we don't know this for sure, but by all accounts, the Colts have not negotiated with Taylor. There's been nothing on that end of it. Why not throw a bunch of incentives at him for this 2023 season? And again, these can be playing time incentives. Yards, These touchdowns. can be production incentives. Yeah. Hell, if you want to get crazy, throw a playoff incentive or two. Didn't Saquon have some of that? Yeah, Sa- Saquon had all of them. That's why he's upset because now the chance of him hitting you know, those, those incentives goes down if he misses three weeks. And doesn't this get both parties a little bit happier? Maybe it doesn't solve everything. But in terms of saying to Jonathan Taylor, because what, what's Taylor's frustration? I'm the fifth highest paid player on this offense. I set an NFL record through three years. I set, you know, how long has the NFL been around? I set an NFL record for yards per carry through three seasons, and I'm getting paid less money than Mo Ali Cox. That is why he is frustrated. Right. So the Colts, they don't want to commit serious money to him before the end of his rookie deal. And you can point to a Nick Chubb situation for a reason why you'd be hesitant to that. So why not say, hey, 12 games to go or 13 games to go once you come off the pup list, if you play 10, if you play 11 games, boom, here's 500,000 or or whatever. You know, if you get to 10 touchdowns, here you go. If you get to 800 yards, here you go. That seems to be somewhat of a let's meet halfway Let's try to calm those waters, and let's try and get this relationship somewhat back on track. Again, I don't think it solves everything, but that's a question I have for two weeks from today when it's eligible for Jonathan Taylor to practice for the first time this season. Is that something that is on the table? Everyone else seems to be doing it around the NFL. Why not here? It's the go-to thing to do in the NFL, is it not? I mean, it really is. Listen, when when when... So why not you, here, I guess? Yeah, yeah, when you were with Jake and then we started this thing, hasn't that been the question? I mean, I think that was one of the first opinions or questions that I kind of had with the entire Jonathan Taylor situation is why, and, and again, Jonathan Taylor needs to speak publicly or needs to do the notes app or is, you know, something other than his agent liking tweets. By the way, has his agent liked any tweets lately of yours or anybody else? Any, any Anything <laughs> no, else? I, any updates? Not see, I, I guess I could scroll, uh, yeah. but I've not seen anything directed but I, to me. Yeah, I just... I don't I just I don't understand there is an there is an option to put a band-aid on the wound and that is what the NFL has done this season for running backs and even a guy who's one of the better players in the entire league in Chris Jones there in Kansas City I, and, and I don't know from both sides if it, like I'm not even totally blaming Jonathan Taylor are the Colts 
willing to do this as well? I don't know that well, it, for certain. And, and that's a question for both parties. Are the Colts willing to, uh, again, it doesn't appear so. I don't know that for sure, but it doesn't appear so. And then two, would that satisfy Taylor Probably not. But probably it, not, but at some point, sacrifices have got to be made on both sides. For this to quiet down, simmer down a little bit, so it's not the dominating storyline in October. It's taken a little bit of a backseat here in the month of September. It has. But Andy, once he starts playing... And once Halloween gets closer, and again, Halloween is the NFL trade deadline, this storyline is only going to build. Oh, I think after sun, I think after Sunday, uh, we're going to start saying, "Okay, Rams are coming up." Left yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna say, especially if he puts you know puts out another video or yeah. the agent says something. Like to me, I have been hesitant to just throttle against the Colts in all of this. I can understand, and you watch Barkley, you watch Nick Chubb, you watch Austin Eckler in the first two weeks, KB of the NFL. NFL season, you can understand why they may not give big deals, but but my thing, if the Colts, if it were public knowledge that the Colts didn't want to do what you're saying, that would be the first time I'd be like, they're flat out wrong. Yeah. They're 100% wrong if you won't do that, especially if you have the money, especially KB, and I know it's about AR. If they lose to Baltimore and they come home and they beat the Rams, they're 2-2 two and two against a Titans team. You're telling me that Titans game's not going to be close? The Titans, every game, 17-15. Every one of those. I mean, I expect that to be a fourth quarter game. You could be looking at 3-2. and two. If Jonathan Taylor came back week 5 at home Lucas Oil <laughs> and the Colts were 2-2, two and two, they might be favored in that game. Yeah. That's not crazy to say the Colts would be favored in Week Five. Now they would have to, you know, not get blown out Sunday, and they would have to win the game. And the Rams are a much better team than I ever would have thought of. But I, I, I think we're 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 what six seven shows away from Jonathan Taylor becoming much more the lead than it was the last couple weeks. And Brandon counters with this. Is giving a one-year incentive-laden contract to an already money-hungry JT create a Terrell Owens ball-hungry no. attitude in that locker no, room? It, it's I, what the NFL does. No, yeah, I, I disagree. I don't think it does. Plus, there's an element of here. Taylor has earned getting an incentive-laden, incentive-laden deal in year four. The dude's paid less money than Mo Alley-Cox. Yeah, he's yeah. set an NFL record. If anyone else in that locker room can show me an NFL record that they've set and they're getting paid the type of money that he's getting paid, then by yeah, all means, it's not twenty mil into my office. It's not twenty mil guarantee. But that no. office isn't, or that yeah. that that line outside my office is not. Yeah. You know, ten people long. It's, it's zero people outside of Taylor. Yeah, I'm talking about. A couple of million, which they certainly have from a cap space standpoint. Will, I do have one worry before we get to Stephen Holder. Oh, boy. Will Nikki approve of this? Will she let you put that on the Oh, yeah. No, no. She she loves this stuff. Oh, yeah. She's, listen, my my wife is fully in the know of sports radio and gas baggery and sports and all all this stuff. She doesn't care. Maddie thought it was cute, which I was like, okay, Okay. that that, that, that calms things a little bit. Nikki loves this stuff. That's a legit Giants logo. She doesn't care if they win or lose. Like, does not. And she doesn't even know much of the time if they win or lose. Well, she but better she, care for your sanity. Well, she's she's all about it. She's all about it. Oh, I yeah. love it. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, Appreciate all right, it. coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Stephen Holder going to join us next. We'll toss some of that at him. And again, a little Pacers chatter at 9 o'clock with Tony East. Uh, you're listening to Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 7-5 The Fan. Hour number two, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios. It is the wake-up call. Appreciate Julian Blackman joining us about 35 minutes ago. You miss any of that, we'll have that uh, podcast, YouTube, and everything else. Uh, KB, let's keep it going on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We always love having them on. Uh, 8 o'clock hour every single Wednesday, getting you ready for the weekend. It's Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Stephen, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Man, uh, we are fantastic. Beautiful day out today. Getting ready for some football. I cannot wait. I guess I guess let's just start here. Anthony Richardson was playing a damn good game, Stephen, and then uh, out he goes. Concussion. In comes Minshew. We know how he played. Uh, and now we sit and wait. We'll see if AR is out there today and obviously going through protocol the rest of the week. Uh, and then the conversation has been how much can he change his style and everything everything else. I guess, what are your thoughts on the injury, uh, the waiting around this week, and uh, kind of what we've talked about, and that is, can he change his style? Will he have to change his style as he hasn't been able to finish both the games that he started here in the NFL? Well, I'll start with, with maybe some potentially positive news. I mean, uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, all indications are that you know, he's, he's functioning pretty well and from what I've heard, and I think there's a chance a chance he could practice today and that that's a limited practice and that's still part of the protocol uh he he still has to go through all the, the requisite steps so it doesn't mean he plays on sunday at, on all i'm not saying that at all but but it's definitely uh checking the boxes toward going toward playing you know if, if, if he were to get there he'd need to practice today so anyway uh that's a good thing now i wrote a whole story about his playing style and and what to make of it and whether he can or should change and where i came down on this is that i don't think he can change that much i agree I he can, I I agree. He can yeah he can he can reduce the amount of hits he takes perhaps but you can't eliminate them you can't uh play that style and drastically uh, eliminate or, or drastically avoid hits. You just can't. It, it's and and I think if you think about this, the Colts drafted him. Look, when they drafted him, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what kind of player he was, and they knew exactly how they intended to use him. So all of this was done completely above board and completely with the understanding that this was going to be an inherent risk. Now he's been a little bit unlucky in these two games. And and sometimes that's just how it goes. But look, I don't I don't think you can say that Anthony Richardson should play some different type of football and expect him to be the same player. He's not. He's not going to be. So yeah, I think he's just got to be as smart as he can. But this whole idea that that if he just plays smarter, he'll be fine. It's kind of ridiculous. And Stephen Holder is with us, and you know I think echoes kind of a little bit of what I was saying yesterday about there are some early 
weak signs of optimism for Anthony Richardson and his potential here to not only practice, but you know maybe even play coming up on Sunday. I want to shift gears to Jonathan Taylor, Stephen. Two weeks from today, of course, is when he could be eligible for his first practice. Since we've last talked, I would say there's been a couple of things to note. You had Taylor post the, you know, whatever, five-second Insta story of him working out in the indoor facility. Zach Moss had a really nice game on Sunday. Uh, the Colts showed that you know he could have some competence at running back with Moss. Shane Steichen uh, uttered the quote. I, I don't know if it means a whole lot. You know, we expect JT to be back week five. And then you had the NFL's filed a grievance at the NFLPA on running backs and, you know, faking injuries. I don't know if that was the exact word that was used. I say that in quotes. So there's a lot of layers that's happened since we've last talked. Any of that impact where you think things will be two weeks from today when Taylor is eligible for that first practice? Right. Well, <laughs> I'll start with with Taylor putting the video out there. I I think there have been some different interpretations of why he might do that. Now, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know where his head is at. But I can tell you, I don't think anyone should assume this was him saying, hey, I love the Colts and I'm ready to play for the Colts. (laughs) Now, he may well play for the Colts, ultimately, but, but that wasn't the point in my estimation. I translated that or interpreted that as Jonathan Taylor saying, hey, I'm good and I'm ready to play football. That has nothing to do with where he plays or who he plays for or or whether he wants to play for the Colts. I think he understands, this is very clear, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor understands that he has to establish that he is healthy enough to play because that's how, that's how he's going to A, if he gets traded, that's going to enable him to get traded, potentially. And B, he has to establish it anyway because it's part of the procedures as to him getting his credited season while he's on the pup list. So it's, in a way, he's kind of just saying, hey, <clears throat> I'm doing my part, <clears throat> excuse me, and that I'm good and I'm working and I'm rehabbing. And so the rest of it is is not in my hands. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say that, obviously, but that's how I interpret it. So that's the first thing. Um, I think Shane Steichen is, in terms of his quote the other day, <laughs> I I don't read too much into it, as you said as well. I agree with you. I think he's just kind of trying to give an answer to a question he doesn't have an answer to. <laughs> so so we'll see. And and I I appreciate the. The, the position that he's in. Uh, I would say the other thing that w- we didn't mention is is certainly the injury in Cleveland. You know, and, and there could be others as well. Um, I, I see Cam Akers, uh, apparently, uh, according to Sean McVay, uh, they're moving toward trading, uh, the Rams are moving toward trading him. So there's, there's, there's a movement out there, potential movement at least, and potential need in some cases. So it, it could be an interesting market. Not, I think that that drives the price down, maybe if there are other guys available. So we'll see what happens. Kareem Hart is, I, I think, visiting Cleveland as well, you know, given their news the other night. So I don't know. There is a lot going on. And then the last thing I, I'll just mention briefly, you did bring up the grievance filed by the NFLPA. I will tell you, the, the issue about faking injuries, which was, I, I guess, mentioned on a podcast, allegedly, I didn't hear it, but I'm sure this happened. I'll trust them. Uh, a podcast was mentioned by the NFLPA president, and I, I know for a fact that's something that that Jim Mercer had some 
was pretty indignant about and and wondered if that were the, was the case here with Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, you wonder, <laughs> did Jim Mercer have anything to do with that grievance? And, and did he have his two cents in there? I mean, obviously, everyone knew about that, so it wasn't as if he had to tell them. But, but I know that it, it was something that stuck in his craw in particular, that that might be uh, something that was happening. So that was, I, that was something that caught my attention, I would say. Stephen, one more on the Taylor front from me. Again, Stephen Holder at ESPN.com. Andy and I were talking before you hopped on. Um, I think around the league, what you've seen here in the last few weeks, few months, you've seen incentive-laden sweeteners, if you will, on the final year of contracts for these guys. Chris Jones, franchise tag-related stuff with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. By all accounts, and correct me if I'm wrong, the negotiation period between Taylor and the Colts was virtually non-existent for a multi-year sort of thing. Do you you think a sweetening of the 2023 contract in which he makes four million a year do you think that is any sort of a discussion point at all it hasn't been that i know of excuse me to this point now they they still have a couple of weeks before before the moment of truth if you will so there's still time i think the question right now is would that be something that would entice jonathan taylor and that's a tough question. I think, frankly, it's 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 more than the Colts have done so far. So I think you have to at least consider it. If it, A, uh, gets him more money, which is obviously the goal, and B, I, I do wonder what it means in the spring. Does it mean that he is uh, a free agent? Does it mean that they still have the ability to franchise him, which he really is – concerned about as you can understand so i i don't know um i think the i think the issue in the spring is is probably as much of a a concern for taylor as much as how much money he makes this year but ultimately though but ultimately given what you see with for example uh chubb the other night uh, nick chubb going down and having what looks like a really disastrous injury you know you, you have to think about you know, a, a bird in hand, in, in other words. And what I mean is just money today versus money later. And, and that's what this whole thing's about. Uh, if you can promise Jonathan Taylor, and this is very hypothetical, just to be clear, if you can promise Jonathan Taylor more money today, I mean, he's going to have at least some more incentive uh, to go out there and do what he's got to do because that's the, that's the concern. And you play a very dangerous position, and, and then there are – there are other examples all around us of, of guys, you know, going down and having injuries. I mean, if, if Jonathan Taylor had a disastrous injury this year playing for the Colts and then entered free agency, uh, his one opportunity at a goal rush is absolutely gone. And we've seen it before. Marlon Mack. By the way, just look at him seeing this. Uh, and Stephen Holder with us here on The Fan. Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jamal Williams, Evan Hall, Salvan Ahmed, all guys that have been injured after two weeks in the NFL. Like, I don't know if this... Yeah, yeah. And Stephen, I don't know if it's, okay, uh, you know, guys are injured. Well, that means, okay, Jonathan Taylor, you know, the Browns might reach out to Chris Ballard. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing when you see this quality of running back injured and we played two weeks in the league well it, it, there's there's two sides to this yeah and this is why this is why this has been such a difficult issue the, the player side is clear right the, the player side is <clears throat> you're exposing me to great injury every single play i'm on the field and i want my money pay me 
<laughs> okay, yeah. right. That's that's pretty easy. We all understand that. On the team side, they could also spin it in their favor, which is, hey, these guys get hurt all the time, and we're not going to pour money into them. It is what it is. <laughs> and both sides are very uh, reasonable business positions to take. You know what I mean? So it, it's hard to be mad at anybody for this. I mean, I, I don't know why, why Why would anybody be mad at Jonathan Taylor for, for wanting protection when he's, relatively speaking, not made much money for for the, the contributions that he has has put forward. And then on the other side, you can't necessarily be mad at a team for having reluctance when you see uh, the injury toll at that position. So, And this goes back to what we have said all along. Who's wrong? No one. No one's wrong. That's the complexity of it. Again, Stephen Holder from ESPN is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, through two games, you've seen Shaquille Leonard's snap count you know, hover right around 60 snaps. He's on a little bit of a pitch count, nothing too crazy, still playing you know, about three-fourths of the snaps. Um, I, I look at him so far and think, I don't see anywhere near the liability that I thought he was last year on the field. But yeah. I also have yet to see kind of like, all pro he's around the ball constantly and you know he's got three or four near game changing plays a game obviously that's a big spectrum and he's somewhere in the middle of that Uh, what have you observed from his play so far I I think you nailed it that's exactly what I see and it's going to remain a question uh, until he can get back to that level if he can't get back to that level and 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 I know he he would he would probably never speak to me again if he heard this interview because he, you know how Shaq is, uh, and that's fine. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's what makes him great. But look, he, he's a competitor, right? And and he wants to be the the best. Uh, but his body hasn't allowed him to do that for a very long time. So I I do think that that patience has paid off for him though, and it has taken a lot of work for him to get back to where he is. I mean. It's night and day, even though he's not the all-pro level Shaquille Leonard. I mean, as you just stated, I mean, it is night and day from what we saw, I think, last year for sure. And and even at times to start training camp, I think he's gotten better and better. Uh, so how much more does he have? And, and that's the question. I, I don't know. No one knows. And I think it's a question for the long term for the Colts. I mean, you know, where – He's he's certainly you know still in the midst of a very expensive contract. All these things you know that no one wants to talk about, right? But but those are things that you know look, they're they're going to be judged based on on what level you know he's able to perform at. I mean that conversation is, is going to take shape based on his performance, and so we're not we're, you know we're not there yet. I mean that conversation is one for much later. I I just think it's still a positive though that that he seems to be trending in the right direction. But you're right. It is a big continuum, and, and he's not nearly at that that high end of the spectrum quite yet. The good news is that Zaire Franklin is just a maniac right now, and he, I believe he's leading the NFL in tackles. Not that that's the end-all, be-all, but, I mean, he makes the plays when they're there and, and then some. So uh, this defense really does kind of – I think feature the middle linebacker and Zaire Franklin has, has really been a huge beneficiary of that. So we'll just see what happens with Shaq. But, but as you said, at least he's not a liability. Uh, the play comes to him. He makes the play. And I saw some pursuit the other day, which was very promising. 
So hopefully it continues to progress. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, joining us here Wednesday on The Fan. Sticking with the defense, Stephen, I heard you yesterday, I think it was, with JMV. Uh, It's not time to panic about Juju Brents yet, uh, but it may be a sneaky storyline here in the next couple weeks, perhaps. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand where the coaches are coming from in saying that, you know, look, he, he needs time. He missed a lot of uh, practice time in training camp in the preseason, and, and those things are all true. Uh, I, I would say, as I said to John, he's been in practice every day, and, you know, we're in week three. So <clears throat> those reps have to they have to count for something, and, and you should be able to evaluate him in those reps. Uh, Gus Bradley says he's getting more and more reps, at, which would suggest that he is – earning those reps and and all i can say is that uh, the, the colts have to really I, I think think about where they are at cornerback right now i mean daryl baker i thought had a rough day mm-hmm. and, and and they are not making a big deal about it yet but i i gotta tell you i mean if they felt good about that position if they felt they had some depth there i thought there would have come a point in that game where you just say all right buddy you got to get out of the game and i i used this analogy to someone yesterday if that were a basketball game and and the other team's wing player, you're defending the other team's wing, and you're just getting taken to the rack every single play, every single trip down the floor, and just getting dunked on, I mean, you're gonna, your butt's going to be on the bench. They're going to get you out of there. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and I know it's not that simple, but, like, it is that simple. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you've got to win matchups. You've got to compete. And it's know? Nico and, Collins, um, not Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, come on. And look, listen, at the end of the day, uh, look, the Ravens aren't a team that are going to throw for 400 yards because that's not the style they play. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's, he's basically throwing layups out there. I mean, he's, he's on the money right now with his accuracy. I mean, if the coverage is as lax as it's been against, uh, against Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's going to absolutely dice that guy. And so they've got to play tighter coverage. This have to. Steven, last one from me, and this is more just on an update on a topic that I know we discussed last Wednesday. I don't know if you caught it in the Indianapolis Business Journal. They had a uh, turf story, a Lucas Oil turf story. Uh, Pete Ward had a quote in there. It sounds like next year the uh, Colts, or I guess I I should probably read a little closer who exactly is going to be installing the new turf, but $1.24 million for new turf called Matrix. It's the same turf that's used at SoFi Stadium. AT&T and NRG, they're going to do this in March. Uh, remove the old turf in March. Do the new turf uh, after the U.S. Olympic swim trials conclude in June. It sounds like irrigation. That is the reason why the Colts will not go down the path of Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas or the Cardinal Stadium and the ability to have grass in there. Uh, lack of irrigation and drainage needed for natural grass. Yeah, so perfect question because uh, my, myself and a colleague um, at ESPN, we're working on a, a, a big uh, turf versus grass piece right now. So I'm in the middle of that reporting and have been working on this. So, yeah, I know a lot about this and I know about that. That turf is much much more preferable to the current turf, at least according to people who know more than me. Uh, the NFLPA doesn't want any turf, but if you have turf, they prefer it to be the, the turf that that the Colts are moving to next year. 
Uh, so, you know, this gets into, number one, that is correct. The, the stadium, even though it has a tr- retractable roof, Lucas Oil Stadium is an indoor stadium, period. End of story. If there is a 2% chance of rain, they don't open the roof. <laughs> the reason for that is because if the water gets in there, there's nowhere for it to go. <laughs> okay? It'd be like opening the roof of your house, which you would never do, right? So just think of it in those terms. It's an indoor building with a very, very, very expensive uh, feature. Of, it's basically a car with a sunroof. That's what it is. When, when it's going to rain, you, you, you don't open your sunroof. That's what this is. So we can quibble about why the, the retractable roof is there and all that, but that's a, that's a story for another show. The point is, uh, yes, they don't really have the option. Now, there are places like Mercedes-Benz Stadium in, in Atlanta who are going to host World Cup games, and my understanding is there will be turf for those games. Now, I don't know the particulars of, of the construction of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but you know, whether it can take irrigation and all that. But I do know that putting that grass in there basically takes the stadium off the, off the, off the grid for like a month in, in terms of its potential use for other events and all of that. And as you know, and you know, we all know if we live here, Lucas Oil Stadium is used for all kinds of things. So they're not about to give up use of the stadium so that even if they were able to use grass, they would be giving up use of the stadium for very long periods of time because you cannot hold the same number of events on a grass field because you have to protect the grass. So anyway, it it gets really complicated, and and there are issues that go well beyond just, well, why don't you just put grass in? Uh, It it is very complicated, and and I, I don't think the Colts have the option if they wanted to, to be completely honest. Yeah, the story, again, Mickey Shu from the IBJ had this, added that the stadium's connected to the convention center. Of course, we know that. Uh, frequently used for overflow convention space, and for each event, they put down a flooring atop the turf. Mm-hmm. If you put that atop the natural grass, it would be a bit detrimental. So, a lot of issues yeah. that probably and goes what, back more to 2000-whatever, 2007 construction, whenever it was built, than it has yeah. to do with 2023. And one last point, I mean, you know, Although I, I I don't remember how the <clears throat> how the profits break down in terms of who gets what from the stadium events, but but one thing to remember is you know when when the stadium is used for those you know convention events or just various other things. I mean the Circle City Classic I think is here this weekend, for example. Like the, those are things that are that that are beneficial for the city as well, and and you know through the Convention and Tourism Bureau, et cetera. All of those things are they have a responsibility. You know, to to drive those events and hold as many events as possible because that's how we get a tax revenue. That's how we get tax revenues in the city. So it gets really complicated and into the weeds. But uh, yeah, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of layers there. I think I've written stories before of covering athletes that have smoked some grass. I didn't know I'd be also writing stories <laughs> about growing grass. But you know, I guess everything's evolved: the smoking of the grass and even the growing of the grass. What an old, what an old way to put it. Yeah, and I, no, no, that's very old. Well, I am 34. S- I guess. Smoke some grass, uh, Stephen Holder. We will see you in a few hours. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. All right, Kevin. I think you're 54, not 34. <laughs> that is Stephen Holder right there from. You can use, use the word doobie next. No, no, that what, was what old are, of me. What are, what are some old uh, yeah. phrases? No, no, I see Mark pulling the, the mic. 
lettuce. Yeah, the devil's lettuce. That's the gray hair of me coming out right there with those comments. Do you have a you have a you have to have a password to get into the uh, the indie business journal there? I mean, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it paywall? I use, uh, I think Who do you we use? have one here do we have the one building. Here? Yeah. yeah. But no, it, it was a very informative story, and I do think it's a topic that... I need to get that password. Now, there were some comments, and you know, Pete Ward had a quote from the Colts of, <laughs> we, we want player safety, but we also want the practical use of the stadium. Yeah. I'm like, you want okay. concerts. You have you know, to. Now yeah. we're talking out of both sides of our mouth here with that. To Steven's earlier point, I know we covered a lot right there with him. Again, said it yesterday. And I thought it might have been a little premature, but I do think there are some reasons for optimism with Richardson in regards to potentially this week. We'll see how it plays out. Nothing's guaranteed with concussions, but I don't think we're dealing with Shaq Leonard missing three weeks or Ryan Kelly missing over a month a few years ago. I think, by all accounts, if you were kind of ranked this on the severity of concussions... This would not be on the high end of that. Uh, on the other end, I know we're going to do a check down. On the other end, uh, at about 8.35, if you don't mind, I was wishy-washy on something yesterday that I no longer want to be wishy-washy on. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Sounds we'll tell good the people me. what that uh, is. We'll also certainly uh, hit on that Juju Brent story a little bit more. Gus Bradley spoke to the media yesterday. We'll play his comments on why the second-round pick has not been able to dress so far in his NFL season. As Andy said, let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, all bad last night for KB's Reds. Uh, Mark Dyson had a much better night. The Reds smoked. That's honestly putting it lightly. It is. The Reds smoked 7-0 at home to the Twins. The Cubs do, since we're doing the smoke uh, yeah, verbiage. Sure. Light one uh, up. Yeah, the Cubs doing the smoking uh, over Pittsburgh 14-1. They the smoked Mar- up a fatty. A fatty. The Marlins walk off winners P-H-A-T. over the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> Diamondbacks winners. Uh, so right now. We have never sounded lamer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no. God, I'm such a loser. <laughs> you did it. You did You did get a little old there. No, it, no. It, it's I okay. Apologize. You uh, said wishy-washy. I don't think my grandma's. I, I've heard anyone say that since my grandma was It's around. a great point. It, it, that is also ancient. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm older. I don't know. Diamondbacks right now, second place in that wild card. Then the Cubs. Then the Marlins. Half game back. The Reds one game back. After last night's loss, the Red Legs got to get going uh, tonight. What time's that game? Is that a day game? Day game. It's a day game. Much oh, needed. A little day baseball, 1235. Come on, baby. Boy. Yeah. Need to get back oh, on 2, track. 2,000 people in attendance. <laughs> that might be wishful thinking, <laughs> 5, to be totally 500. With you. Uh, yesterday, we saw announced from the Big Ten. I always find it odd how the Big Ten waits so late into the calendar year to announce their conference schedule. This is for basketball. Uh, they announced it yesterday. Purdue and Indiana, when will those games be? You've got the Hoosiers hosting the Boilermakers on Tuesday, January 16th. So last year, both of these matchups fell on February Saturdays. We're not going to get that this year. We'll get one, the game in Bloomington, again on a Tuesday. That would be January 16th. The rematch will occur about a month later in West Lafayette. You like that? That will be Purdue hosting IU on a Saturday. Do you like them jammed together or do you like them a month apart? I, I like the month apart. I think I do last too. year was just two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't love... Give me both on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah, don't give me Tuesday you know, I, night. I don't know. Because that I could be a 9 o'clock game. Yeah, I don't need Tuesday at 9. Um, I mean, that's what it's going to be, right? Tuesday yeah. at 9 o'clock, 9.05? Purdue does have six days off before the second matchup in West Lafayette. Obviously, two big wins for Mike Woodson last year. And you know what I absolutely hate about the Big Ten this season? Tell me. Why the hell are we playing the conference tournament in Minneapolis? 
<laughs> Every conference hates when they move it around. The Can ACC, you pull out a map of the Big Ten? Oh, well, the ACC it, it, hated it when they went to like Washington D.C. Oh, and places yeah, like awful. they went to Florida. You know, and they went to ACC Florida. ACC should be in Greensboro every single year. The Big Ten tournament every single year should be right here. If you want to say Chicago once every couple of years, sure, whatever. I'm with you. Minneapolis. That is strictly Kevin Warren. That is strictly Kevin Warren's history in Minneapolis, working for the Vikings, and all of that. That's one thousand percent what it is. Maybe group trip to Paisley Park to see Prince's estate. Market, oh, the Kellogg's factory. I'm just saying. The Kellogg's factory. It does smell like cereal right by Prince's house. Mark. No, we're lazy. We want it to be a mile down the road to where we don't have to do anything. By the way, I know we're going to talk to Tony East at 9 o'clock. I'm kind of jacked up about the uh, the All-Star game. February, right? Oh, uh, I'm I'm excited about that. That is here. Uh, uh, should again, be some Lucas fun. Oil Stadium activities for Saturday and then Sunday over at Bankers or uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. <laughs> Lastly, college football looking ahead to this weekend. It is a loaded, loaded slate. We know college game day will be in South Bend. Uh, we'll see who the guest picker is. You think we get Taylor Swift? Who would be? No, it's going to be, was it Montana? Who do you think it's going to be? It does sound like Montana likes Bet Marcus the Freeman, bus. didn't like Brian Kelly, so maybe he'll be, yeah, the bus. The Taylor bus Swift's little one. brother went to South Bend, uh, went to Notre Dame, <laughs> so that's the only reason why. What's his name, Ben Swift? I, brought, I, brought <laughs> I have no idea. Her, uh, her and Selena Gomez were at a game once, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you can't be in the student section. This is not going to end well from a security <laughs> standpoint. Uh, Indiana, they've got Akron in their final non-conference game of the year. They are wearing some cool jerseys. That's about where we're at with IU right now. Purdue, you talk about a team that needs a home victory. They will take on Luke Fickle and the Wisconsin Badgers. That is a Friday night game from Ross Aid. All right, on the other side, you've got conviction on something you were wishy-washy on? Well, I mean, yeah, yesterday I just wasn't as strong on something, and you were. You you, you were kind of stronger. I got thinking about it. I'm like, KB's right on this, so we can call the segment where KB was right. How about oh, that? Gosh, boy, that's a that's feeding a good of the ego yeah. here on this Wednesday morning. We'll do that. We'll play some Gus Bradley audio. Tony East coming up at 9. It's a wake-up call with KB. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Being Andy on a beautiful Wednesday. Yeah, you mentioned before the break, KB, big weekend of college football. We have a big weekend here on the fan as well. College football is looking at the board in Eddie G's beautiful handwriting. Auburn and Texas A&M, uh, that's at noon. UCLA, Utah, top 25 matchup at 3.30. Arkansas, LSU, Saturday night. Of course, Indiana over on IBC, uh, that one beginning at 6.30. So lots of college football to react to. And then obviously all the Ravens, Colts stuff Sunday beginning with your boy JMV at 9 o'clock. Uh, can I just get this off my chest? Yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you've been passionate well, about Well, listen, this. in sports radio, uh, you, you can't be as, and Mark will hate this, uh, God bless your grandmother, wishy washy in any in any of these things. I love my grandmother, uh, so that's I know, fine. I, I know you do. I just, yesterday, I was maybe playing devil's advocate just a little bit when I was like, well, you know, if, uh, you know, AR, you're not going to beat the Baltimore Ravens maybe anyway. And so, uh, you know, maybe a sit em, and then the Rams are in town and then Tennessee and who knows if Jonathan Taylor's back. And, and basically, I was saying you sit him 
them in the short term for the long term. And, and since then, in the 24 hours that uh, that kind of conversation has been out there, I am disappointed in myself. Do you understand? I'm disappointed um, because I, I sounds just, like if Little Gas grows up to be a Cowboys yeah, fan. I just listen. I'm, di- I'm disappointed. No, if if Anthony Richardson, two things. Number one, if Anthony Richardson, if he passes protocol and the doctors say he is good to go, he goes out there and he plays on Sunday. I, I Listen, I understand, and this is what I was trying to do, just present the other side that it is a concussion, he is banged up through two weeks, uh, but that's not the case. You're exactly right. He needs to play in these games. He needs to understand uh, that you can't take some of these hits, even though the hit in Houston, he maybe he didn't see the guy, uh, and that feeds into. So that's one thing. I, I just if he if he's cleared to play, uh, I was kind of babying it a little bit. Well, it's a concussion. If this were an ankle, if he had an ankle, if he had a knee issue, if he had a shoulder issue, and he were you know, hey, the shoulder's good enough to go out there on Sunday, we we would we would be crazy into thinking. Well, you sit him and you get ready for the Rams and Titans and the you know the second matchup with Jacksonville and everything else. So uh, I know it's a concussion I'm not being you know rub some dirt on it guy but also uh, if he is cleared to play you go out there and play and I was just a little wishy-washy on that yesterday and I think that will ultimately be you know ultimately be the case if the doctors say you're good to go he's good to go and he goes out there and that's a really fun matchup. And I'll say what I said about an hour ago. Uh, if he scores four or five touchdowns in that Houston game, which I think AR would have done, then the you know the kind of the the buildup for him versus Lamar. Listen, Lamar Stephen Holder talked about it. I mean, this dude's completing seventy five percent of his passes. In the NFL right I now. mean, his QB rating is the highest it's been since he got into the league in two thousand eighteen. Uh, and then I, I would just say the other side. Uh, we've talked about this, and there's no. We have met in the middle that there's no perfect. There's no perfect answer to this, but the thought, the thought process that AR is going to change the way he plays. Let's move that aside because I think he can only do that a minimal amount. I think we both kind of agree with that. I, I, How about I, alter instead of change? Alter might be a better word. I think it's actually more a question for Shane Steichen than it is Anthony yeah. Richardson. It's a good point. I, I think kind it's of pick and choose your battles I, again, in terms of again, when you run them. When he's got when he's been limping two out of the three times, including the big hit that Stewart put on him on uh, on Sunday in Houston, that was a designed run. It was a great play call, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it was a great play call. There was a wide open touchdown until he got to the goal line, uh, basically. So I think it's more of a Steichen, and I just don't know in these split second decisions in these no one's open I have to flee I'm 200 and you know 40 50 pounds uh, I you know I'm the Superman here I have to do those things if he is going to be able to do it and just last thing uh, I looked up just if you if you mention Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, if you want to compare him to Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts in 2001 rushed the ball 139 times. Last year, he rushed it 165 times. This year, Jalen Hurts is trending, if you just took the numbers and extrapolated them over 17 weeks, about 178 times uh, that Jalen Hurts would be running the football. Here's Lamar Jackson. In 2018, he rushed it 147 times. In 2019, 176 times. In 2020, 159 times. Now, last year, he was injured. It was only 133. Um, And right now, he's trending to about 150. 
23 times, uh, which would be about an average, you know. So Lamar Jackson's not cutting back too much because he would be at his average. And Jalen Hurts, right now, the numbers say he actually is running more than he has in previous years, including last year where he ran the ball 165 times. So this thought process, if you have one of these guys that they're not going to do it, the numbers say it's kind of a fallacy. And and I think you mentioned something. It may have been last week. Uh, it could have been Monday. My days are obviously are mixed up. In fact, it was Monday that that when you get a guy like this, that, that Steichen, you know, and Holder talked about it, you get him, you know what he's good at. And there's a certain extent that this is this is the offense. That th- yeah. this is the offense, and we can tinker, we can alter yeah. a little bit, but those alterations are going to be minimal. Minimal, yeah. Again, yeah. alter, tinker. Those are the words I'm using more than change. And I know it might sound like semantics a bit, but yeah, I mean, you drafted him for a reason. You draft him because he was very gifted, and his size, and his speed, and his athleticism was a huge, huge part of that. You didn't draft him for overall because he completed 74 percent of his passes at Florida and had a you know, ten and two season and threw for thirty five touchdowns and five picks or something like that. Um, you know, two things, Andy. Obviously, I think you know, and I said it yesterday. If he clears, you play him for for multiple reasons. One, um, I think it's really important for him to kind of get back out there as soon as he's healthy and have to react to what just happened. And we'll see if that impacts him at all. I think it's important to do it as quickly as possible while making sure that the risk for re-injury is not there, of course, and he's passed through all those steps and, and, and those sorts of things. And then the other side of it is, and I know it's one game, but this is also, to me, the best, most difficult challenge he will likely face in his rookie season. Without a doubt, right. I mean, Jim Bob Cooter was talking about it yesterday, about how much Baltimore stresses you not only physically, but mentally, and what they do from a line of scrimmage standpoint. If you look back at Houston, Houston did not at all do things from an exotic standpoint to try and confuse you. Baltimore is the exact opposite of that. Their defensive coordinator is a disciple of Wink Martindale. I think we know a little bit about Martindale because he was one of the head coaching candidates the Colts interviewed back earlier in the year. And with Martindale, you get a whole lot of junk thrown at you if you are an opposing offense. And that's what is going to happen on Sunday. So what an unbelievable test and challenge for Richardson in what would likely be, I think, the most hostile environment. And I think in general, even with Baltimore having a few um, injuries, this is probably the best, most complete test you're going to have all year. Um, I, I, I can't point to another opponent. Obviously, we'll see how the season unfolds. But right now, as I look at the schedule, I would put this one atop the list. Again, when you're talking complete, an MVP-type quarterback, a defense that's pretty stout, a road environment that I'd rank right up there with just about any other, you put all that together, I think it's going to be a challenge. And... Um, I think if you're able to have Richardson complete the concussion protocol, he gets enough reps, you play him. Period. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking yesterday, well, you know, if you sit him, and I'm like, no, you don't sit him. You put him out there. He's a he's a young kid. If you want to alter some things, so be it. And then, you know, we had Will Carroll on, and, you know, he's our injury expert yesterday, and he basically said, and, you know, there's no, there's no data. You know, I can say, well, you sit him. There's no data that... He's he is or he's not going to be injured again. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, like, the, re- the seven days versus 14 days. What yeah. is the data in that will? I think is, you ask about yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. no data that, well, you know, if you if, if it was, well, if you sat him a, a second week and he, he had about two weeks off, then he'd come back for the Rams and there is a 92% chance, you know, he doesn't right. get another concussion this year, um, then, then that would be some, that right. would if be data that we could hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah but if that's not the case. Point the risk of re injury and the numbers are significant, then certainly that would alter, you know, where I'm coming at uh, this from. You think he plays right now? Just just without, I mean, obviously today's a huge it's day. such a big guess for me. Today Again, and tomorrow. I think there are signs early in the week that point to him being a possibility to play on Sunday. And if you look at the numbers, Andy, last year I think it was 25%. So the Colts had eight concussions. Two of the eight played that next week. If you look overall league-wide, that number typically hovers around 15 to 20%, so it's a little bit lower. So when you look at those numbers, it's about one of every five. Have a concussion on a Sunday and come back and play that next Sunday. So the odds would say no, but I think there right. are some early signs that point to this being a possibility. Today is a big day. Tomorrow's the biggest one. I mean, tomorrow is that biggest day. Um, but right now, I think so far, some positive elements to that. Real quick, because he has been banged up the last two games, a caller was asking, would you put money on... He play. He appears in all seventeen games this year. Or oh that you no, would? no! No! No way! In fact, yeah. I was going to ask Holder, and we can do this at some other point. You know, obviously Minshew starts this week. That would be one. What would you? Would the over under on Minshew starts this year be two and a half? Yeah, that's probably fair. Mm-hmm. Is that probably the number? Yeah. No, and I this mean, is a he's little going bit of an unknown with Richardson. He was a pretty healthy guy at Florida in his one year, but there were injuries in high school. There were some injuries at Florida when he wasn't a full-time starter. Like We don't have a three-year sample size of, he started 37 of 38 games in college. We don't have that. So I do think that is a little bit of an unknown. You like to think that 6'4", 255 can withstand more hits than Bryce Young's stature, but he also exposes himself to more hits with that, and we've seen that here. Uh, and it's also grown men that you're going up grown against, men. not fellow college students. Yes. You know, and, and I think, you know, that was such a, and I know we need to take a break, that was such a conversation, KB, around Lamar Jackson, that Lamar Jackson wasn't missing games in college. And so when he got to the NFL, you mentioned having 30, 40 starts under your belt, 30, 40 data points where you could look at how did this guy handle an injury, how did he handle this, how did he handle that, uh, and, you know, Lamar Jackson until his fourth year in the league wasn't missing games. No, no. He didn't miss any in college. Uh, He wasn't missing games in college. And then in 2018, he played in 16 games. In 19, he played in 15. In 2020, he played in 15. I mean, so that guy went six years of us watching him play football where he he wasn't missing games. Now, the data has changed on that. Uh, There is no doubt about it. The last couple years, especially especially last year, some of the drama around his contract not being, not traveling to the playoff game and everything else. But that's a good point. We don't know how Richardson uh, uh, bounces back. We don't know yeah, that. 15 starts We're since just high school. Ge- we're yeah. just guessing all of that. Uh, all right, on the other side, why isn't Juju Brents playing? We'll touch on that before we get in some Pacers conversation in the 9 o'clock hour. 
Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you guys waking up with us on this Wednesday, getting you ready for Colton Ravens. Obviously, a lot of Anthony Richardson conversation. We'll see uh, if he is out there today. Uh, KB, take it away here. What do we want to do? So we have Gus Bradley on Juju Brents and then Gus Bradley on Jalen Jones. I think a question that you ask uh, as he is trying to take hold of that third corner uh, spot, which is uh, obviously going to be big on, on Sunday. Yeah, I thought Ravens you, are pretty good. Easily the biggest negative from this past Sunday was the play of DJ Baker and just him looking like an undrafted free agent from two years ago making a second NFL start. Um, so where are you at with that third corner? Juju Brents has been a healthy scratch for the first two games this season. Here was Gus Bradley yesterday on Juju. He got more reps last week. I thought he had a good week of practice last week. And, um, you know, it, you know that time that he was missing, but he's coming back. Um, you know, he's getting more reps in walkthrough, more reps in team. So he's progressing along nicely. So we hope to get him a few more reps this week. And again, Andy, just go back over this. Juju Brent, second-round pick out of Warren. He missed all 16 spring practices that were available to him. Rookie minicamp, OTAs, veteran minicamp, all 16 he was sidelined. Then hamstring injury pops up at the start of training camp. He misses the first week, like week and a half of camp. So, I mean, that's that's nearly half yeah. of training camp. And at that point, guys like Daryl Baker Jr. and Jalen Jones, they just were available. Then he misses the Eagles preseason game, the joint practice there. So it's just been available. I'm not stunned at all that he has yet to insert himself into the depth chart in a serious manner or even play. Now, I do think we're kind of reaching a breaking point with mm-hmm. it in like next couple weeks. Yeah, I yeah, think by yeah. the end of the month, then it's a little bit more like, wait, is he still a healthy? Strategy? It's a second round pick because KB. we've reached multiple weeks now where he has practice. But I also wanted to ask us, Bradley, about Jalen Jones, who again, the seventh round pick out of AM, I'd put him right above Juju Brents, just behind Daryl Baker on the current depth chart. The thing with JJ is when he gets up and plays man coverage one on ones, he, he's very talented. And I think the knock on him before was his consistency on the perimeter, you know, with all the different coverages that we do. I've seen him get a lot better than that. We're kind of in a good situation as far as the corner spot just because we're young. But I really see those two younger guys coming on. So again, they are coming on. Um, I, I think in the next couple of weeks, could we see them push for more? I don't think we'll see an outright benching of DJ Baker. But again, I'd probably go to Jones first, and then we'll see if Juju starts to dress and exactly what things look like for him here early in his NFL career. Obviously, it's not ideal that a second-round pick is inactive as a healthy scratch. But when you miss that much time in the offseason, unfortunately... A lot of that is just the reality of the situation. Yeah, and I mean, listen, second round pick, and if they go out there in in the next few weeks, including Sunday in Baltimore, and they get toasted, (laughs) Baker gets toasted, I I think the combination of second round pick and Baker had such a bad game on Sunday accelerated us talking about it. We didn't talk about it much at all going into the first. Yeah, exiting Jacksonville, and even the week of Jacksonville or the week before then, we weren't talking about Juju Brents, but you have some poor play. People start saying, wait, a minute we took a second round pick here that's a valuable pick without question and a guy that you thought could play early because he played so much in college at Iowa and Kansas State all right on the other side let's do some Pacers conversation with Tony East a week and a half away from mini camp start or uh, excuse me media day and training camp starting we'll do that with Tony East on the other side life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios, 9 o'clock hour, the wake-up call, KB and Andy. Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us earlier in the show. Colt Safety, Julian Blackman as well. You miss any of the conversation. A lot of Jonathan Taylor, a lot of uh, AR conversation. I was wishy-washy. I am no longer. All of that up at the podcast center on the, the website, Apple, uh, I would say iTunes. Boy, that's an ancient thing to say. Uh, find us on YouTube and much more. All right, Tony East going to join us, SI. Locked on Pacers podcast. Uh, Tony, we we have not had a conversation on the radio, so I'm excited about this. Andy, meet Tony. Yeah, Tony, what's happening, man? How are you? First time for everything. I'm sure it won't be the last, but uh, it's always fun. It's always fun. This is my first time on the wake-up call, as it's now called. So it's a big day for both of us. Well, good. I was told two things about you, that you know the Uh, most of anyone about the Mad Ants, uh, and that if there's any contract situation, any mid-level exception, to text you immediately, and you will have the answer to both of those things. I take it you got your information about me from Kevin. (laughs) Is your pen tweet still that... I said to you one time that you know more about the Mad Ants than I know about my in-laws. Uh, it's not. I wish it still was. That was um, that was my best to tweet ever. I'm <laughs> Tony, how's the oh, offseason been before we dive into it? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of anticipation for this Pacers season, but how's the offseason treated you? With I know a little bit of international uh, flavor for you in terms of uh, watching some basketball here in the last month or so. Yeah, I really enjoyed the World Cup, which which helped tide it over. But now it's strange. Like I just moved, so with the fever done and um, ahead of the Pacer season, it, it's been strange. I've just been like unloading boxes every day or putting something somewhere, which is the least riveting task of all time. But I'm glad I figured out the perfect timing to do it between seasons because we're about to get started in Pacerland. They got camp right around the corner. Yeah, you were smart to do that uh, off-season. I am doing that basically in-season. I have 900 cardboard boxes sitting in my living room. With a new kid. Yeah, with a a baby, with a new job, with everything else. So uh, I envy you, but I think I might be in a worse position than you. (laughs) I have so many damn boxes, Tony. So many. I I agree. I'm sitting next to two cardboard boxes oh. right now of oh. uh, bookshelves that I do not want to construct. So uh, we can we can empathize. Well, speaking of construction, again, Tony East with this here. The Pacers have done a whole lot of reconstructing over the past few years to have a core right now that, first off, I can't recall a time recently, Tony, where I've gone 9, 10, 11, I mean, hell, maybe even a dozen deep and think, yeah, that guy could play for the Pacers and like play a role uh, of a playoff team, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to throw out five to six seed as a reasonable expectation for this Pacers season. Too high, too low? Uh, I think that's probably a little too high to me. I think, well, let me, too high as in I think their their seed will be lower than that. <laughs> I don't I don't expect them to be a top four seed in the East this year, so I, it, it's tricky with numbers saying too high, too low. But either way, 
I think that they're probably closer to a play-in team myself, mostly because of the quality of the East, less so than the Pacers' improvements themselves. Right? They have a lot of young guys who should, in theory, be better next year. Like maybe half the rotation would would comprise of, of, of a player like that. And Bruce Brown, not only is he good and is a good player that will help them be better, but is a great fit for them with his point of attack defense, with his ability to transition. Obi Toppin and Jarris Walker just are big at the four. They haven't had that for years, so. In general, I think their improvements suggest they should be better, but I, mean, I think every team in the East, probably one through eight, thinks that they got better this offseason, and the Pacers were five wins out of the plan last year. So when I ran through the, the whole projections for their record in the East, I had them in that 8, 9, 10 range, and I think that's plausible. But I think they're given that they're so young, it's more likely they overshoot that than undershoot that, and anything short of the plan would be, of course, a massive disappointment. Uh, when you look at what do you feel confident the most on saying today, whatever today is, September 20th, that you know about this team? And what's the thing that you're least confident that you say, I don't know how this particular player, how this particular item is going to work out this season? Yeah, I'm confident they'll probably lead the league in transition frequency, <laughs> given how they've talked about what their offseason was, right? But all of their acquisitions. Uh, there the are two NBA guys, you know, Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown. That was something that Rick Carlisle made very clear after acquiring them, right, that they had very strong efficiencies in open floor, and that was a big part of the appeal of bringing them in is that they'll be additive in, in, in transition where the Pacers are at their best, right? Tyrese Halbert, one of the best, if not the best, transition players in the whole NBA, and now they'll be better there. They could do it even more often than they did last year, and Bruce Brown will help them get stops, which will let them play in transition more often. I'm very confident they'll play in transition as often as they can, even off of makes or off of, you know, turnovers flying out of bounds. You know, the Pacers love to run out, grab the ball, and try to get going as fast as they possibly can before the defense gets set. I think that'll be kind of their bread and butter if they can this season. And what I'm least confident in, uh, the rotation. I think there's about to be a lot of camp battles for this team, right? Tyrese Halberton definitely going to start. Miles Turner definitely going to start. I have pretty good guesses for everybody else, but that's just it. They're guesses, right? I think there's a lot of competition for minutes at – on the wing, at the four spot, it could go either way. At the backup point guard spot, could go either way. Like, there's a lot of flux about their rotation and figuring out who fits with who and who deserves playing time. Uh, it's going to be really tricky for these guys. Like you said, Kevin, they've got uh, as many as 12 guys. So you could say, yeah, that guy deserves minutes, but that's just too many to play every game. Uh, what did these FIBA games do, uh, I guess, for the for the stature of Halliburton, but also Daniel Tice as well? He's, I imagine, one of those guys that will be uh, in those rotation battles that you're talking about. He looked like Shaq at times <laughs> in the damn World right Cup. He did. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll start with him because it was surprising to fans of the team because he didn't do it hardly anything the team last year due to his health, right? He had surgery right when the season started, so he wasn't even available until February. He only played seven games because... They have to go a little younger uh, at, the, at that center position, but he, you know, he, that's the kind of player he is, the guy he was in the World Cup. Sets hard screens, can make jumpers from the elbow, can make some nice passes, and is just kind of this bruising, big man kind of player, right? 21 points against the USA in that semifinal game. Like, he can be quite a good player. I think that, that Pacers fans just haven't seen it because of what he was last year. Like, the Celtics relied on him in the playoffs when they – made their finals run two years ago, he can he can do stuff like that. The problem is, from a Pacers perspective, is that he is much better in kind of slower, methodical offenses to me than what the Pacers want to be, right? A really up-tempo team that's flying up and down, and it's not that Tice can't do it. He's a smart player, but that's definitely not his, his strength. And the other problem for him in terms of getting minutes 
is that he's on the wrong side of 30, and his contract suggests that he doesn't have the longest-term future with the franchise, whereas some of their younger bigs maybe do. So he certainly showed that he is probably the second-best center in terms of talent on the team, but in terms of fit, in terms of timeline, it'll be interesting to see if the Pacers still opt to give him minutes or not. And Halliburton, of course, I think just showed everybody what he was for the Pacers last year, right? If you didn't catch the Pacers last year and you're in the United States, now you know because he was flying up and down. He was the best point guard on the team despite coming off the bench, and everybody kept clamoring for him to start. But to me, a lot of the USA strength was that that second unit was so good because yeah. of Halliburton with it, and he closed a lot of games. I think that he proved that he is the premier talent in the NBA, and he proved that he can play well with stars, which I think was important. We just hadn't seen that yet. So good uh, good World Cups for both guys, and I think that's got to be encouraging for the Pacers. It's one of our favorites. Glad the conversations will be a little bit more routine now over the next, whatever, half dozen months. Tony East is with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Read his work at SI.com. Podcast is locked on Pacers. All right, Tony, you know one of my crushes. That would be Benedict Matherin. Um, the year one had my heart at times uh, fluttering. At other times, I'm thinking, oh my, there is a whole lot of crazy in Benedict Matherin. I mean that in a good way, and at times, it, it can be a little volatile to say the least. Um, I am beyond curious to see how the playmaking injection into him goes. Like, can you be more of a f- facilitator? Can you make the extra pass? Can you swing it around the per- like? All of those things, I am fascinated to see with Matherin. Uh, how do you view this second season for him in a rookie year? That there's no denying it was one of the best rookie seasons the Pacers Pacers players had, uh, particularly in terms of attacking the basket. Yeah, I think it's. One of the most important things about this entire Pacers season truly is how much better does Matherin get at, at skills that he didn't show last year? And uh, in addition to that question is how much better does he get at skills that let him fit well with Tyrese Halbert, right? Because the, the long-term future of the Pacers would certainly require that those two are as good together as possible, right? And and Matherin, of course, can get to the line better than a lot of NBA players already. He was 13th in free throw rate last year. The whole league, not amongst rookies, the whole league, right? So that, we know he's going to get to the line. We know he's going to score in isolation and make plays in that way. But what can he do off the ball that when Halberton's doing his thing can make him a threat? Is it the passing, right? Is it when a pass comes to Ben Matherin and a closeout comes, can he put the ball on the floor and make a good pass and be a creator? Is it shooting? Is it being able to just knock down a three from beyond the arc, right? That kind of stuff would make him way more valuable to the Pacers because of his fit. But in terms of his growth specifically, I think you nailed it. The playmaking is going to be just so important, right? Because right now the way he's defended on any time he drives or any pick and roll or anything, the defense just sends the second guy over to shade him right away. And so he's often running into two guys at the basket or even before the basket, even at the elbow, the second guy is already there. And he, he's proven that he can still score in those situations at times, which is great. And this coming season, I think that, That'll be helpful for the Pacers uh, starting five at times if their possession gets bogged down or something. But he's got to be able to be a little bit better getting rid of the ball and making a play for someone else. Even if it's just simple reads to the corner or simple thumbs to the big and the roll or whatever it is, that would go a long way for him. He had a couple nice ones in his second summer league game that made you think he's got that processing down. But uh, I I think the Pacers want to see more from him there throughout the whole season. and. Him getting better at those things would would be maybe the top thing for me in terms of a player development perspective for the Pacers to care about this season as they push forward. Tony, I want to go back to a little bit of the starting lineup chatter that you had. And again, a week from Monday will be media day for the Pacers. I mean, hell, their first preseason game is like, was it three weeks away, something like that, two and a half weeks away? Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Okay, I like to play a game with the Colts starting lineup where I do Sharpie 
pen and pencil. I don't know if the kids Ooh. still use whiteout anymore, but you know, obviously you can write in pen, and you know, if you need to, just you know, get the whiteout. Kids out don't and, write anymore; they yeah, type. That is probably an accurate yeah. statement. I just found yeah, two yeah. pens in the break room, by the way, that I put in nice. my backpack. Uh, okay, Sharpie, pen, and pencil. Give me five starters. Let me know if you're writing them in Sharpie, pen, or pencil. Okay, Tyrese Halliburton is Sharpie, right? I don't have to tell you guys why that one is Sharpie. And uh, same with Miles Turner. I think those two guys are going to start for the Pacers. They both had excellent seasons last year. You know, the, the, the number everybody has cited all summer is 26-22. and 22. That's the Pacers record when both those guys played at all. It doesn't matter how much or who else played. If just those two guys were available, Pacers had a winning record. They were you know, about the same winning percentage as the Brooklyn Nets and Miami Heat. Just if those two are available, they're going to start there. Two of the best talents on the team. Everywhere else, I don't think you can do Sharpie, and I think this is going to be a big story of camp. I think I will do Penn for Bruce Brown, their big signing of, of the summer. I, I am closer to Sharpie than Pencil with him. I mean, you don't give a guy. Ooh, I like that dollars. intel. Great mm, intel. Yeah, there we go. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> That's just my. I mean, I'm just reading the tea leaves here, but I mean, you don't, you don't give a guy $45 million if uh, if you don't really believe that he can help your team and of course there were some salary cap dynamics at play there but because he fits well with Halberton at his best right being in transition and because I think defensively his fit with Halberton is so important right he can guard like Halberton guarding the point of attack all the time I don't think is the best thing for the Pacers so Bruce Brown can do that in lineups with Tyrese I think that's going to be big for the team and he's a good off-ball fit in any lineup he can pass a little bit like I think he's a a pretty pretty close to my third most confident pick to be a starter this season. Uh, you don't give a guy that kind of money. Like he's the highest paid patient this year to come off the bench, even if it would make some sense. So to me, he's Penn, and then I think Matherin would be my final starter or on the wing, and that would be closer to pencil than Sharpie. But I'll do Penn for that one, given how you know he discussed things this offseason. And then, man, the four is just the hardest spot to me. Um, I think I, if I were in charge, I would start Jairus Walker. I would like to see how he fits with Turner and Halliburton and go for the long-term play there. But I think that Obi Toppin might might be the Pacers' choice just because of his talent level now. And he certainly is a guy that fits better with Halliburton than without. So I will go pencil for Obi Toppin, pen for Matherin, pen for Bruce Brown, and Sharpie for the other two. Tony East with us last. I love that. By the uh, way, I, know, I, just I know. love the detail. Yeah, K, no, KB's shaking his head. He's, I was jotting down notes. Yeah, the whole he's, time. he's he's vibing with it. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Buddy Hield. Sorry, Andy. Buddy yeah, Hield does have a, a decent amount of history coming off the bench, yeah. right? Well, he does with the Kings, and I, you know, there was some reporting. I believe I'd have to go back and really dive into it out of Sacramento that he he didn't really like coming off the bench in Sacramento, hmm. and, that, and that was part of his you know disdain for lack of a better term there and. I know now he's older and wiser by a couple of years. Perhaps that could change, but you know we saw that at the end of last season. Right, we saw the seeds get planted there. Matherin started the last, I think, nine games for the Pacers with Heald coming off the bench, and Halbert only played in two of those games. Right, I think they were kind of planting that that would be the case. That is a little bit of a guess, but I think that makes a lot of sense for the Pacers long term. And you heard Kevin Pritchard allude to you know them finding the right role for Buddy when they he was asked about an extension at the end of last season. So. Yeah, he'll great, and he'll be their best shooter, and I think he'll still play a lot because he'll be important for them. But I think as they kind of discover what their best lineups are, I think that's what we'll see the starting five be to start the season. Tony, last one for me. Uh, you mentioned Jarris Walker there. If he starts games coming off the bench, we, sh- uh, we shall see. Just this rookie class in general, uh, what do you make of it, and how do you think they handle the guys, the, the new yeah, guys? Jer- 
I think Jarris should play as much as they feasibly can, right? I mean, he is a kind of player they haven't had in a long time, right? A really good defensive-minded four who can – this is the term I'm going to use a lot because this has started to creep into basketball and journals and circles. Defensive playmaker, right? Like, he's going to make steals and, and, and make blocks and make disruptive plays on defense in a way that is going to let their offense be easier. And I like that, that term. I think that's going to suit him well this season, like you saw in summer league. His first summer league came, he was just – everywhere blowing up plays blocking shots getting the pacers out and running like looking really confident so that dimension is going to be important most rookies are not good defenders right away which is at no fault of any rookie ever so i'll be curious what his impact level looks like on that end of the floor but you know, he was good in the open floor at houston his shot was good enough i'll be curious what the elbow surgery means for that because he did not shoot well in summer league and he can pass a little bit i think that's something the pacers kind of have to explore a little see what he can be in that type of way, you know, everybody's going to compare his skill set to Draymond Green, which is unfair because Draymond Green is one of the most unique players ever <laughs> in the NBA and has been a key part of four title teams. But, I mean, that is sort of the skill set you'd like to see if you're the Pacers, guy who can make quick decisions, make shots when wide open, and is just an absolutely massive disruptor on defense. I think that's going to be important. Ben Shepard, I don't think, is going to play much, not because he isn't talented enough to, but just because they have way too much depth on the wing as it is We'll have to make some tough decisions even in the backup spots in those positions. So I think they they certainly envision a role for him long-term, where they wouldn't have picked him. He can really shoot it. But I think he's going to be more of a development guy who gets some reps in with the Mad Ants and with the Pacers is uh, is resigned to being a good shooter. Again, we are slowly approaching. Is it October 9th, Tony? Is that the first preseason game? I think it's the 8th. I believe eighth? it's the 8th. I should, I should know that. <laughs> so that is coming up here. Are we getting married anytime soon? Not you and I, but you, <laughs> I was about and, to say. you and your significant <laughs> okay. other? It's not. It's not very soon. So, okay. Uh, no. No. Okay. okay. But we had an engagement a few months ago, right? That's correct. I love it. Congrats on that, uh, Tony East, one of our favorites. Pacers season on the horizon. Tony, thank you for the time this morning, and looking forward to the next few months. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That is the one and only Tony East on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Andy, I feel smarter after listening to Tony East. Oh, great stuff, man. I'm I'm listen, I'm ready to go in the Pacers season. I like the I, five I'm, I'm ready to go. range. I know Tony Moore the He play-in. disagreed. I know. He yeah. disagreed. And, and I probably should do a better like, all right, let's take the lay of the land. You're in the majority. You're in the majority, I think, I feel there. Aren't you aren't you? Uh I, I don't know. I guess okay. we haven't I haven't gauged Pacers fan, you know, the season predict prediction projection however you want to put it too too much you know this time last year i was clamoring for the over on wins mark do we have that do we know the over under on pacers wins this let me season? try to dig that up real quick. uh last year it was a nice financial stake what was it 36 and a half household. or was it less oh no last year it was 33 and a half i want to say it was like wasn't it like 23 or 24 and i i took the alternate line of over 30 this year i would assume it's got to be hovering in the mid to high 30s. Okay, so maybe I was thinking of this year. Yeah, maybe I was thinking of this year. I, I just, for some reason, yeah, a mid to high 30s was sticking in my mind. I mean, he brought for up some a reason. great statistic there with Halliburton and Turner in the lineup. You know, 26 and 22 was the record with just those two. And I think the pieces around those two have gotten better. Certainly, you've had a defensive focus with Bruce Brown and Jarris Walker. Uh, Buddy Heald is such a weapon for you. Um, I have the Pacers over under. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. Thirty-eight and a half. Thirty-eight and a half. Oof. Yeah, I, not going to be as easy money <laughs> as it was last year. No, last year was an absolute joke. Um, yeah, obviously, if I think they're going to be a five or six seed, I got to go heavily over that. But 
you know, the Halliburton thing, he's just so indispensable for you. I mean, we saw it last year. When he went down, it was just like, boop, and there goes everything. But, um, yeah, I should probably take a little bit of a lay of the land of the Eastern Conference and see, okay, how much have these other teams improved? Because I do think it shifted, Andy, of like, it used to just be the West, the West, the West. I do think the East has more depth um, than the West does. But I think the Pacers, it's important to take the next step of now, meaningful games in March, meaningful games in April. You'll probably hear this out of me a lot in the next few months. Andy, the Pacers is a franchise. They haven't won a playoff game in five years. Playoff game. Mm -hmm. You haven't won a playoff series in nine years. For this franchise, that's a long drought. I I mean, hell, you compare them to other NBA franchises. I guarantee you over two-thirds of the NBA franchises have either won a playoff game and or a playoff series in that amount of time compared to the Pacers. We're not used to the Pacers being in the bottom quartile to steal a phrase from Jim Mercer. Uh, 30, if you want 39.5, you can get that at plus 110. I'm looking on DraftKings. If you think they can go over 40.5 KB, that's plus 135. And they're offering 41.5 at plus 165. I like the so sound there of you, that. So there you go. I mean, if you believe in them to be a five seed, at least try to hit, what, 40.5 and, and get that at plus 135? I'm not telling you how to spend your money, but you know, no, if no, that's no, something no, you wanted me, to do. I, I don't need any any encouragement. Uh, yes, October 8th, 10th, 16th, and 20th. Those will be your four preseason games for the Pacers. They'll open up on the road the 8th and the 10th, home on the 16th of October, and then the season opener is the 25th. I've always had an issue with this with the NBA. We'll see how. I don't think any announcements have been, but... Like a lot of times, they don't even air these preseason games. I'm like, what are we doing? Okay, so I was wondering why I, I, I said 36 and a half, and we'll get to the check down here in a second. And and I was I was thinking, wait a minute, Andy, you bet on the Pacers. So I went to I went to the DraftKings app. This is a very dangerous thing. I have two I have two futures sitting out there still. Really? And For I the forgot. Pacers? No, I got the Pacers at over 35 and a half. Okay. Okay, and that was minus 120. So I think it was 36 and a half and I and I took it down uh, a game. So I have the over there that's sitting there and then I have the over on Kentucky football at six and a half. <laughs> Those are so. Those are the two that Andy Sweeney needs to hit. And how is that looking for your uh, BBN um, Big Big Blue Nation? Big Blue Nation. Well, they're three and zero. They've they faced us. Got it. They okay. faced us. They had Akron last week, and, they and had, Indiana has Akron this week. They had the chirp chirpers right of Ball State. Yes, they did. Yes, yeah, they Luke did. Uh, tweeted. Yeah, he took the over thirty-five and a half okay, so, and minus one. So maybe that was it. Was it thirty-five? Because usually maybe it's, it's minus one ten. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's went up a little bit if, if people took that. But I thought I remember looking uh, when I was taking this job. I remember just looking. I'm like, man, Pacers thirty-five and a half. That's that seems easy money. And there's the curse before the season even begins. Again, that second year for Matherin. Uh, obviously, you're in our, love. Our, our listeners know that I was wanting that to be the draft pick a whole lot. Uh, flashback to whatever 15 months ago and the rookie season there's no denying that from a scoring getting to the foul line standpoint it was right up there with any in rookie Pacers history you could even argue Pacers history just guys off the bench scoring and getting to the foul line like that Uh, but now where does he make that next step can he be you know kind of that that definite Robin uh, to Halliburton and do it in the starting lineup which of course is a different story as well. All right, the pop quiz is coming up in a few. That'll be 317-239-1070. Uh, Andy, have you taken a gander at the pop quiz? I have taken a gander. Yeah, there's a Doable. couple. 
not as much as yesterday. Until the baseball question. Yeah, to not not as much as yesterday. yesterday. Right? We did. We did. No, I I think the fifth question is always difficult, uh, and the third question kind of difficult as well. I mean, I think it's pretty doable outside of five. Yeah, number five's a doozy. The the first four. All right. If you've been paying attention at all. That's rare for Mark Dykton to go there. Okay. All right. He's positive with it. I like that. 317-239-1070 for that. Uh, I'm going to step out of the studio while you guys start the the morning check down with uh, Red's talk. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, not good for the are Reds. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this <laughs> I team? I don't hear anything. Well, where are you going to go? Oh, man. The Reds are in action today. All 5,000 people. Businessman special 1235. they got to win this uh, against the Twins to win the series. But the Reds losers last night, 7-0 to Minnesota. The Cubs. Cubs. Boy, Mark, your Cubbies. Yeah. Big winners. 14-1 over Pittsburgh. Marlins walk-off winners over the hapless Mets. 4-3. Diamondbacks, they keep winning 8-4 over the Giants. So if you're looking at it... Can we uh, move on? Yeah, we, we can move on. If you're looking at it right now, the Reds are a game back. So that's what you need to know. Uh, if you're a Reds fan, the Cubs right now would be in. Mm-hmm. Arizona second. And uh, the Miami Marlins sitting right there. So it's going to come down to the final few games. This is what everybody wanted. Yeah, First pitch I mean, you want your teams to be in it, hours. Kev. It's okay. You got to take some wins and losses. It's fine. Unbelievable. Mark's mood changes. From well, losing. okay. Really they is. were on a five-game losing streak. Straight. They came back strong. I, why can I not be positive? That's what the Pirates do to you. Why can I not be positive, Kev? Well, think, where are you going to go? Oh, whoops. Sorry. The Colts are back to practice later today. Obviously, it's an important day for Anthony Richardson and Ryan Kelly, their respective Concussion protocols, we will see where they are at. It's not a end-all, be-all, you have to practice on Wednesday to play on Sunday and trying to make it through the five steps of that concussion protocol, uh, but it obviously is important. Uh, last week, we did see Drew Ogletree miss the Wednesday practice and still be eligible to play on Sunday, uh, but still, just from a quarterback rep standpoint, this is still a big day, so be curious to see where things stand for Richardson coming up here. In a few hours, and a quick look ahead to Thursday night football. Andy, ten point underdog. Uh, if you had to take your Giants or your the 49ers. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. I think everyone's going to go Niners. I'm going to let. The, I'm going to. I'm going to see if this can get bet up a little bit, and maybe try to try to think the Giants can keep it close enough. I mean, they're going to lose. The so Niners are going to oh, are going to three and oh on the season. But can you make it? Can you I make feel it? Like double thirty twenty three. You know, can you do that? I don't know how successful I would be at this, but I almost think any double-digit underdog in the NFL, I should just take the double-digit underdog and see how I do at the end of the year. Yeah, the that and home teams catching points, which is why I bet Pittsburgh on Monday night. They were getting points at yeah. home. Now, they needed junk to win, but Watt makes great plays, and that usually wins the game. Give me one more sweep, if you don't mind, Mark. One more. Uh, just to clean up a couple things, the Colts bring in Trey Sermon on the practice squad. Haven't talked much about him. I mean, kind of penthouse to poorhouse for him, right? I mean, a lot of people thought the Niners uh, got a steal there. And quickly, uh, Otani did have elbow surgery yesterday. He will not be able to pitch until 2025. But next year, he should be ready to opening day uh, to be able to hit. So there you go. He'll be somewhere, obviously, other than the Angels. Yeah, but that's going to hurt his contract, is it not? If you're not pitching until 2025... Yeah, I guess if you look at yeah. it as just one year, 
I mean, I don't know. What is the success rate coming off Tommy John for pitchers and longevity of their careers? That would yeah. be something that I'd have to look into. Um, okay, Big Ten schedule announced as well. We saw that yesterday from a basketball standpoint. Indiana-Purdue fans, games of note. It'll be IU hosting Purdue. That will be on a Tuesday, January 16th in Bloomington. About a month later, February 10th, a Saturday in West Lafayette. Uh, that will be Purdue on the back end of that one. So last year we had two Saturday games in this series. This year it'll be a, a Tuesday in mid-January in Bloomington and then a Saturday in West Lafayette for that one. A couple of other things to note. IU gets Michigan State, who I think by all accounts, Michigan State and Purdue will be the two teams near the top of the Big Ten without question. IU hosts them in the season finale. That is the only meeting that they will get. Hmm. Purdue also gets Michigan State just once at home. And Indiana fans, I know, they're going to be, okay, when do we play at the Cole Center? That's usually an automatic loss. Uh, that would be after the Purdue game. <laughs> okay. There in, in January, Andy Sweeney, the Indiana Hoosiers have lost 19 uh, straight games. Oh, I know. In Madison. Oh, I know. I know. The Greg Gard's finest. 19 straight Ooh. in 23 years. And they had the lead by how much last year? Yeah, 25? Think, was it 25? Well, was it more I, than that? I know. I was trying to think which one that was. It was one of these Trace Jackson Davis years. And then they lost in overtime, Scotty. Wasn't that recently as well in Madison? So quite a uh, house of you-know-what for the Hoosiers. All right. It is time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070 for that. Mark Dykton has classified this as easy. I didn't say it was easy. I just said the four, first four are doable. The fifth one, I don't think anyone's getting. Well, there you go. At least you have a twenty-five percent chance. We give you we give you the options. Do some Steiner math. You've got a thirty-three and a third percent chance of getting this pop quiz, which means you have a sixty-six point whatever. It, I don't do. I feel like Alan of the. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Over. Yeah. All right, uh, give us a call. Pop quiz is next. All right, pop quiz time. If I'm not mistaken, was it Scott yesterday who got four out of five? Was it Scott? I mean, he, outstanding. It, he did as good as yeah, anyone has done. Right? Yeah. Westfield, Evansville. In many, many weeks, the uh, three-hour and one-minute drive, which we discussed uh, yesterday. Do you want to do the caller? Oh, but it's an odd way to say what? that. That's an odd way to say that. Let's just let him play Phrasing, the game first. Phrasing. Yeah. Let's wait to ten oh one, and then you guys can do it. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Do you want to pick the caller? KB is what I do. You want to take another lap out of the station? Yeah, Yeah. I was just gonna kind of move on to the stay quiet in this segment. Yeah, Yeah. let's just hop into the nine (laughs) forty five segment. I will go with Numero. uh, Let's go with what is this week three of the NFL? It is three. The apple of of Kevin's eye is Chris. (laughs) Hey, Chris. Hey, how you guys doing? Chris, apologize for the awkwardness. Good morning. Oh, no, you guys are fun. I love listening to you guys. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you, Chris. Chris, what uh, side of town do you hail from? Uh, the west side. Nice. Uh, ben Davis area, Pike. We going in the suburbs. Where are we at? Going a little lower. Avon. A little lower, Avon. The Orioles of Avon, mm-hmm. right? There you go, sir. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, your favorite athlete of all time, Chris? Ooh. Oh, you guys are going to hate me. I'm an East Coaster transplanted. Tom Brady. 
Wow. Chris, are you allowed to say that? <laughs> I love it. I don't hate it. I know they do, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Chris, like, do you like tell that to friends and tell that to people? I guess walk us through your Red Sox fan? Your transition to moving here. Uh, job relocation. Um, but yes, I was born and bred on the East Coast, so I can say chowda if you want me to. Um, <laughs> but yep, I'm a Tom Brady. I put my Patriots flag out, and um, I had 20 years of good fun, but it's now, over. Now I'm hurting. <laughs> yeah, I'll say now it's over. Now it's Ramondre, no, it's, uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Mac Jones and Devontae Parker are your big gets. So there you go. Mike yeah. Gasecki. <laughs> Chris, would you like go to Colts? Uh, how long have you lived here? Uh, about four years. Okay, so uh, like four no, years. Sorry, a little, little bit longer. But I was actually at the Super Bowl here in Indianapolis. Really? Uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, mm, that catch where they lost, uh, I didn't like that. Mar- Mario Manningham. Manningham down the sideline. I still thought that that Hail Mary was going to be completed there. Madonna, hell of a performance at halftime. That was awesome. I mean, I know it wasn't the ending that you wanted. Was it but. the first Super Bowl or the second Super Bowl where uh, Giselle, Tom can't catch the ball too. Was that the second Super Bowl? I can't remember. <laughs> it was the second one. That's what I thought. That was yeah. the Indy one, right? Yeah, it was the Indy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Indy one. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Chris, uh, we'll see how you do. I know there are a lot of people that can't wait for you to go for 5, but uh, good luck today. Andy, you said you want me to start yeah, off? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll do 2 and 4 today. All right, Chris, 12 days to go in Major League Baseball, the, the regular season, that is. Only one division has all five teams still alive. Is it the NL East, the AL East, the NL Central, or the NL West? NL West. You sure? I thought you'd get this more than anybody. Yeah, what coast are you from? Come on. All right, fine. NL East. (laughs) Question number two. Three of the the four teams in the... Blast me that I gave a Brady fan a hint like that. Yeah, I mean, you really did. Three of the four teams in the NFC East, the Cowboys, Eagles, and Commanders, are off to 2-0 starts. Name the other division in the NFL in which three teams enter Week 3 undefeated. Is it the NFC South? Is it the AFC East? Is it the AFC North or the NFC West? Uh, I didn't look at the stats. NFC uh, West, I believe. Number three here, Chris. Through the first two weeks of the NFL season, who is the leading? Who is leading the league in receiving yards? Is it Puka Nakua? The Colts are going to see next week. Puka, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, or Justin Jefferson? The answer is not very close, to be honest with you. One more time. Yeah, the leading receiver in the league as you Google, you know, ferociously <laughs> no, through I'm, your phone. I'm driving right now, so no, no. <laughs> Puka Nakua, Mike Evans, Tyree Killer, Justin Jefferson. Let's go with A. Puka. All right, number four on this day in 1933, the Pittsburgh Steelers played their first NFL game, losing to the New York Giants 23-2 at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. The franchise would not be known as the Steelers until the 1940 season. What was the original nickname for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Was it the Panthers, the Pirates, the Pipers, or the Penguins? Their favorite letters probably are. Grits. Who? Grits. 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 Okay, got Peritz. it. 
All right, number five here to close it out, Chris. Alex Canario hit a grand slam for the Cubs in their blowout over the Pirates last night. Oh, I love that you're getting night. this question, Kev. Canario is yeah. the fourth Cubs player over the last 50 years to hit a grand slam for his first career MLB home run. whoop de do. Which of the following Cubs did not hit a grand slam for his first career homer in the majors? I like no none of these names. <laughs> Taylor <laughs> Davis, Jerome Walton, Kevin Tappany, or Champ Summers? Are those the most obscure Cubs you could find? Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> they really are. Jerome Walton sounds like a former tight end at Notre Dame. No Jer- Junior Lake in Jer- here? Jer- These are names of guys like you're going to pick up on the waiver wire in week 14 of fantasy because every running back is going to be injured. Paul Yanish, a red shortstop. I mean, Lance Nix. Who are you going with, Chris? I'm going to go with Summers. Okay, Summers yeah. it is. All right. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a Cubs fan. I, and it says Taylor Davis was 2019. I have no idea who Taylor Davis is. Dude, I didn't know if Chris wanted to get one, no. one last word in there. Um, Outside of the hand-holding, that was pretty pitiful from Chris. Yeah, really. We should have made him answer everything. We should have given no his... hints from, from the Brady perspective. Well, he also should have had to answer everything and talk only in, in Boston dialect. Chowda language. Yeah, chowda. He only, that's how he should have answered every single question. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he got what? He got number one right. Got uh, one, and I guess... like. Guess he got four, right? Yeah, the NFC East has the Cowboys, Eagles, and Commanders off to 2-0 and starts. Uh, name the other division in the NFL in which three teams enter week three undefeated. That's the NFC South oh, somehow know. with Atlanta, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, Tampa Bay at 2-0 and is surprising as all surprises. Uh, Justin Jefferson leads the league in receiving, and then the last one was Jerome Walton. Duh. On that, Chris, good you luck with your house to and the Patriots flag. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> this is one of the darkest days in Boston sports history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, tremendous, man. Mark Dykton. Uh Seven <laughs> NFC teams at 2-0. and I saw the figure yesterday. That is the most for the conference since 1970. And that was the merger. Um, so it's the most of all time. Which one surprises you the most? It's right now. Be Bucks or Falcons, right? It, Maybe it, Commanders. Atlanta has quality. Like they have some quality players, but their quarterback is Desmond Ritter. I, I guess mean, like, that is their quarterback. More of the wins, you know. Obviously, beating Green Bay at home. You know, I thought Tampa winning at Minnesota was something of note there. I think it's got to be the Commanders because, like, the Bucks, you lost Brady and you replaced him Baker Mayfield, but you still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, you still have some Levante David, you have still, still some pretty quality dudes there. I know, but Baker Mayfield's on his 30th yeah. team at this You've got Sam Howell in Washington. <laughs> yeah. But you have Eric Bieniemy. Who did Tampa beat last week? Uh, Tampa beat... <laughs> yeah, wait... <laughs> Was somebody bad? <laughs> yeah, it's the worst team in the NFL. Well, Houston's or second the worst to, team Well, in the yeah, NFL. second to worst team in the NFL. Number 31. Arizona? No, not them. Gannon's got those boys playing hard deep into the fourth quarter. Yeah, who the hell did they play? Again, my mind oh, is solely oh, on the Colts. Yeah. No, they beat, uh, yeah. they beat the Vikings and they beat the Bears, so they beat Bears, two NFC North yeah, teams. Bears. Yeah, yeah. Did I do that? On I thought you were t- no. I thought you were talking about week one. To be quite honest, I was going to tell you. Bears. No, KB, I thought you, you were talking about. You week weren't one. doing a thing there, right? No, I, I, I was not. I yeah, swear, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a brain freeze. No, they stink. <laughs> that was I a brain freeze. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hand raise. I would never do that tomorrow. You would never do that. No.
Matt says Jerome Walton was the NL Rookie of the Year in 89. Well, <laughs> I was five years old. I was, say, I was in the womb, but yeah. All right. Apologies in that. Uh, all right. We'll do it one final time here. Wake up call. KB and Andy, 93.5107.5, The Fan. All right. One final time here. It's wake up call. KB and Andy. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I just heard Jake uh, set up what is coming up at noon to three today with Query and Company. They also have Chief Medical Officer uh, Alan Sills yeah, of the I've NFL. Yeah, seen that. So, I think we've heard a lot from him. Unfortunately, we had to hear a lot from him a few years ago, COVID-related, but he is the head of all uh, medical you know, issues with the NFL, and so I would uh, have a feeling some concussion protocol questions getting thrown his way, maybe a turf grass question as well. So, uh, pretty relevant to have him on this week considering... Uh, what is upcoming for the Colts as they get back to practice here in a couple hours. We'll see where uh, Anthony Richardson and Ryan Kelly are at in their respective progressions through the concussion protocol. Yeah, today's a big day with that. Like you said, uh, Sill's going to join at 1 o'clock. Jake and company, JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. I just saw this here in the final couple minutes. Uh, Ohio State uh, outgoing AD Gene Smith. Apparently there's a NIL meeting on the hill today. Yet another NIL meeting. No one will clean up name, image, and likeness like the government. Uh, Cannot wait for them to be involved. We're not worried about that in South Uh, Bend right now. No. He, He said today quote, a practice of asking a school for a fee to simply visit campus has emerged. Asking for $5,000 just to visit has become common. What do you make of that? That is pathetic. While it is... Uh, they then put something on social media. I'm visiting Notre Dame. I'm visiting Ohio State, and that's the bang for the buck. So you, you spend three to five thousand dollars for a kid to simply visit your campus, and then you get an Instagram or a, uh, a Twitter, an X. The kid throws out there a tweet, and there's your bang for your buck. So, so there is you this go. on top of the official visit, like on top of paying for everything, or is this for unofficial visits? Because oh. officials, you just yes, everything I guess. is paid for, right? Yeah, yeah travel every, and everything's all that. paid for, but not the extra money. Yeah, the hotel and the food and all that's paid for, but you know, you still leave with zero. Now you leave with five thousand dollars. I find this stat pretty wild as we get into conference play a little bit more. Purdue is done with their non-conference schedule. Indiana's got Akron coming up, uh, but for the most part, we are done with kind of the marquee non-conference games. Obviously, Ohio State Notre Dame would fall into a big one for the Buckeyes. Uh, but I saw the stat yesterday, and this would be non-conference records so far this season in college football versus Power 5 schools. So we eliminate the FCS games, the MAC games, et cetera, et cetera. If you look at the five major conferences, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, ACC, and Pac-12, how about the SEC and the Big Ten having the worst non-conference records versus Power 5 this year? This like, is, that is, I mean, when you think about the mega conferences right now, it's Big Ten and the SEC. The Pac-12 won 70% of their non-conference games against Power 5. The ACC and the Big 12, the two conferences we kind of forget about, they've won half of their 
non-conference games against the Power Five. The SEC is at 41%. The Big Ten is at 30 8%. I'll say this, KB, uh, as fo- you know, as following the SEC for the last 13 years, this is as generic as as I've seen the SEC in quite a while. Like, I barely know any of the quarterbacks. Well, I mean, like Georgia, and, and it, you know, listen, it, it would make sense if Georgia, you know, they're changing quarterbacks. I mean, Stetson Bennett was a solid player. I mean, he was more than that. He made plays for Georgia. In uh, Georgia, I mean, there's a there's never been a time where I'm like, okay, the SEC you know, is you know, might not. I've never uttered the words. They might not get someone in the college football playoff. Now they will get somebody in the college football playoff. A lot would have to happen. These other conferences, and by the way, your team, Notre Dame, would have a lot to say about that. But I mean, LSU. Uh, I mean, like, okay, like, right? Like, I mean, how do you feel about them? Like, I'm like, okay. I, I just this is not a super LSU team. They already have a loss on their schedule. Alabama is going to be on their what their third quarterback going into going Saturday. Milrow, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, Ole Miss is a back end top twenty five team. That's how you know Florida had a nice win, but I think that says more about Tennessee than Florida does it not. I mean, to me, Tennessee was. I know they don't win in, in, in the swamp. I understand that. But Tennessee was supposed to take this, hey, can we make the college uh, football playoff? And that's, I don't want to say down the drain, but it's sure not looking good going into week four. Well, you also lost some marquee quarterbacks throughout the conference. And these guys had various college careers, but in Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, Hendon Hooker, and even Richardson, although Florida, you know, is just a 500 team. Will Levis, certainly, for Kentucky's. Well, I mean, those are, I mean, that's a handful of pretty big name QBs that obviously you lost and I guess a little bit of a transition off of that Andy and this is me trying to put my Notre Dame fandom to the side but a reason why I had preseason optimism about Notre Dame and a reason why I have optimism heading into Saturday night I can't recall the last time Notre Dame has been involved in one of these top 10 matchups and they've won some of them I mean they've beat Clemson several times and Clemson has been top 10 the last time they've gone into one of these games and I've thought Notre Dame's got the better quarterback Mm mm-hmm that's, that was such an right. issue under Brian Kelly. I mean, again, they made playoff appearances with Ian Book and Everett Golson and Tommy Reese. Like, they didn't have the five-star, and they, they had five stars, of course. They just didn't pan out. Uh, but they didn't recruit the position as well as some other um, schools have. They certainly haven't developed that position. And that's why Sam Hartman against Kyle McCord coming up on Saturday night, assuming it is Kyle McCord for the whole game, that's where I think Notre Dame has a legit shot. Obviously, the Ohio State wideouts, they still have so many NFL guys at every level of their defense. There is a lot, a lot to be worried about if you're Notre Dame. But the fact that you've got that at quarterback, I think that's a big reason why you point to the SEC this year and say, hmm, is it just a down year for they're what just has been not, they're just not the, super the dominant conference? You know, I yeah. mean, I mean, we we've talked about it. Like, if this were an expanded playoff, and I can't wait for that. I mean, the SEC wants an expanded playoff so they can have how many teams in the playoff? Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> right, and right now. That isn't the case. I was going to ask Pete Sampson this. We're going to have him tomorrow. And maybe I ask you earlier in the week and I can't remember. Are you going to be able to ask a question or is Kevin going to hog well, all the interview I'm, time? I'm, I'm fine with just leaving the room and yeah, yeah. you know I catching mean, up on yeah, my power you, rankings you go, or doing whatever I need to do. You grab a donut on the circle or yeah, something? I, yeah, I got no problem with that. I, 
do you think whoever wins Notre Dame, Ohio State makes a college football playoff? I think they are a heavy, heavy favorite. I do too. The good thing for both is Notre Dame will get USC in a couple of weeks. And Clemson, if and they're Clemson, top four. And Duke. And Duke right now is number 18. You know, that's going to be what? A USC team that's ranked top five in all likelihood. So that is a marquee game. And Ohio State is still going to have Michigan and still going to have Penn State and obviously a Big Ten title. So. I would say in the driver's seat, but I do think the loser. I mean, I, I, I've always thought this: Notre Dame should make the playoff with this schedule if they go eleven and one. I agree. Now, I agree. Ohio State is a great opportunity. USC is a great opportunity at Clemson, at Duke, and at Louisville. Still, kind of fall in the. Those are not just locks, but um, I would say if you think one of these two teams is going to win on Saturday night, I would probably honestly just bet them to make the playoff because. You would like to think that they would be in the driver's seat. All right, thank you to Julian Blackman, Stephen Holder, Tony East, all of that on the podcast. We'll keep you posted all day long from Colts practice. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton, signing off.